What's up, my bass fishing familia? The boat payment is past due. Someone's out there catching your fish, and the only person enjoying lockdowns, restrictions, and social distancing is, yep, you guessed it, Mike Long. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to Bass Works, the show. And today, I have a very special episode for you guys. I bring to you three gentlemen that have been very influential to me. Local stud muffins, Bass Brothers, Steve Erickson, Steve LaRussa, and Elite Series Pro Angler, Chris Aldane. Grab a pen and a notepad, be the sponge, and soak up all this bass fishing goodness, because it's about to go down. Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. This guy... Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Four zero. Seven. Yeah. That's the life of the podcaster, right there. Oh, we're thirteen minutes early. He's probably putting his kids away. Oh shit. Well, yeah, he said six forty-five. We're two minutes late. <clears throat> what? It, but but Chris said seven. Chris is oh, okay. seven. Yeah. He said, "Okay, hop on a call at seven. So you f- you fished the new gen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, fish BBT the last three seasons, uh, travelers, and it's always been tough. Um, j- just trying to get like we, you have to do six tournaments to qualify for their TOC, so we always have good plans of, of a schedule to make the TOC, and then uh, it always seems like you know there's a wedding that pops up or <laughs> something happens, and and either I can't do it or my partner can't do it, so. Uh, you know, we've had to do back-to-back weekends at the end to try to qualify. That was two years ago. And then last year, uh, my partner had a, a death in his family and, oh, and couldn't do the last two. You know, plus with COVID, we were trying to, to, to crunch a munch in at the end of the year. And so we didn't do the TOC last year. And then this year, looking at the, uh, the schedule, he's getting my partner's getting married in October and uh, it's on the same weekend as the BBT TOC, and so damn it, it's always something, man. Yeah, so looked at the new gen motherload circuit. Uh, I really like the schedule. Same partner. Same partner. Okay. Um, uh, the schedule's really good. The TOC's in September. Uh, you only have to do four tournaments in one region to qualify for the TOC. So <clears throat> okay, so um, I. I've never fished a new gen. Would you consider the new gen the the new lion's den? Uh, we got Stevie. Erickson. Yo, what up? Oh, nothing. I got, really I got, yeah, this? I got, I got Larusa right here. Um, we're recording, so don't say anything incriminating. What up? <laughs> How do we sound? <laughs> Good, clear. I can't hear Steve. Say something, Steve. Hi, Steve. You can hear him? Yeah. Okay, you scared me for a second. I was like, oh my God, it's not going to (laughs) work. So uh, 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 Mario was just asking about uh, new gen and said he hasn't fished a new gen before. And he wanted to know if it's the new lion's den. And uh, and I got I got that term from you, Steve, when I told you I was going to fish the ABA. And you just looked at me, you're like, dude, that's the lion's den. And I was and I was just like so new to the whole tournament thing. I kinda like you know, like when you yell at your dog and he's like 
dude, new new gen is the deal, man. Yeah. They're, they're, they they run a tight shop. It's in and out, no BS. Smooth, good schedule. Yeah. So would TOC, you... the TOC at the end of September at Clear Lake is my favorite, but it beats McClure. TOC. <laughs> Any TOC at, at, at Clear Lake is is good, especially for Steve. Uh but no, yeah, yeah, yesterday's tournament, uh I, I I didn't even know, but they, they run like a completely touchless tournament. So you can't register the morning of for COVID purposes. So you don't like show up and register. You register ahead of time. They send you an email the night before with your boat number, what flight you're in, your your way in time all the rules. So we just showed up, launched, and then they did a, uh, a drive by live well check. So you, dro- as you blast off, you drove by with your live wells open. So nice. Yeah. It was really simple. Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy. I mean, even the one, the derby I fished not too long ago is pretty same, but, um, like I was asking you guys, what do you guys think? Is that the, the new lion's den circuit? Cause I mean, it's, it's open to everybody and a lot of good, a lot of good guys around here fish it, so. I, I mean, By I, lions I, didn't, do you mean like. Uh, no slouches. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. yeah. No, I mean. Or it's a mix of every everybody's out there trying to, yeah, trying to put their money in the pot. It's, it's competitive for sure, but I mean, you know, it's no more or no less competitive than Wild West. There's, but there's no. I guess what I mean is, you know. There's some circuits that don't hold as much um, credibility. Like if you win one, like oh yeah, no one cares because it's this circuit. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, don't no. I think Big Gen's a bigger deal out of all the other. Out of all the other. Yeah, uh, I, I would. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think it's a big deal. I think if you, if you, I mean, have you seen their plaques and their trophies? They're like, <laughs> <laughs> like what? What you get uh-huh. when you win? a nascar event that, <laughs> that's why my partner wanted to fish he wants one of the trophies that's, that's he, what my partner says uh, too. <laughs> well but you know so much has changed in the in the team tournament uh landscape you know since the early 2000s like you know when we started fishing team tournaments there was 80 to 100 boat draws there was 100 percent. there was one bass there was angler choice there was aba then you had the hook tournaments and then you know, mid two thousands, the rookie tournaments came around. So it was first Future Pro, and then English Choice had a rookie division, and then BBT, and that really, you know, split up the the uh, you know the draws, right? So you went from you know even like a forty fifty boat draw was good, and then you know the the one and the ABA were they were only drawn like twenty thirty boats because at the same time you had the downturn in the economy you know, the, the internet forums and Facebook, like guys wouldn't, guys wouldn't sign up ahead of time. They no. waited till the last yeah. minute to oh. know like what the weather was going to be. And so everything really took a hit, you know? And so to see new gen draw 80 boats yesterday, um, on a, you know, a lake that's fishing terrible, uh, wasn't, was impressive. I, I was yeah. pretty impressed. You guys want to get after it, dude. Yeah. Everybody's, um, I guess cabin fever and itching to compete. You guys, that's the only thing you can do. Yep. You guys know. You guys know the sickness that takes over you, the dark passenger. Yeah. Little Dexter reference. Dark passenger. Go. <laughs> I need to feed the dark passenger. Uh-huh. So, the sexy deep voice you guys are hearing, we got Mr. Steve Larusa on bass, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, the big Vaughn Victor Zaragoza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And then uh, the other voice is Mr. Steve Erickson. There we go. Is he coming in clear? Where's Where's Zaldane? Well, squirt on here. Um, let's see. Is it seven yet? You want to You want to call him? Oh no! Yes, we still got six minutes. I'm sure he's he's probably just hanging out. I'd imagine. I just texted him before I called you, Mario. Let me check. Yeah. Yeah, that picture he shot of him uh, dude, doing his bow. Took- oh, dude, I'm so glad that's over for me because I, I just got a bunch of stuff from my bow and I'm I'm over it. <laughs> I'm glad it's done. God. He he just texted me a selfie underneath his console pulling wire with a headlamp on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean he rigs his entire boat on his own, right? That's the only way to do it, dude. Because then then you know what's going on down there and i i had a lot of organizing to do on my boat it's almost like they knew a mexican was going to get this boat they're like hey figure it out (laughs) (laughs) dude i'll i almost bought chris's last boat uh, because i got out of my ranger i sold it to my good buddy and i wanted I i wanted to get one of his boats because he takes such good care of it i mean he beats it up not beats it up but you know he well he it. yeah he uses it but he doesn't abuse but the it way he, yeah but the way he maintains it like you know he's he's doing stuff that none of those other guys are doing on their own you know in between tournaments changing the uh, the the grease on the the bearings like doing his own services got everything wired exactly the way he likes it um, so if you're looking for a new boat to buy off somebody from a, like that perspective, because there's so many of those guys that are doing that, yeah. dumping their boats every year, that would be that would be one to get on. Yeah, well, I mean that boat's here. It's here in the Bay Area. Yeah, Anthony. Good old, it, right? good old anchovy. <laughs> yeah, that thing is pretty set up. Pretty, pretty crazy, man. Did you text him, Steve? Is he ready? Yeah, he just texted me the picture of him underneath the console, so oh. I'm sure he's ready whenever whenever he's still working on his boat. So Alright. Well you have do you have three three way capabilities? Yeah, you want me to? Yeah. Okay, give me give me a second. Let me just tell him I'm gonna give him a five minute warning. Mario, I didn't know I had a uh, a little mini bait shop around the corner from my house. Well, yeah, you do most, I, and then a lot of stuff is in that tote right there, dude. Oh, All the get those crankbaits. Get those crankbaits for me, Steve. No, the only the only um, muscle deep I have is the one that my uncle Rico won, the one I won oh, at man. Clear, he's got Clear some, Lake with. He's got some. <laughs> he's got some big crocodiles hanging up, Steve. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, he's got a good stash of jackhammers. Yeah, you should see what's in the boat. <laughs> I'm embarrassed, dude. The last time I did a three-way call like this was probably when High I was school? 18. So how do I do this? Yeah. Oh, shit. You too? Oh, oh no, I, I got it. I got it. I think I got it. I thought you were Mr. Technology. You called me the other day talking about firing interns and the <laughs> stock market. And, <laughs> and you had Zuckerberg on call waiting. Make it quick. Uh, Millennials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not all that bad. I I'm an elder millennial. I think no, I know. I, I'm, I guess I'm an elder millennial too. Yeah, we're, the, we're the, the, we're the real be- millennials. Those are the ones tough, yeah. tough to. We're the beginning uh, beginning of the millennials, but I don't I don't think 
and our our soul our souls aren't millennials. <laughs> yeah, we grew up without internet, so yeah, we're savages Chris, still. Chris says he's nervous. I'm coming. I'm gonna call him right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was just because um, I've been up since four thirty tinkering with the boat, and I just I threw on his uh, YouTube channel real quick. So I I caught up with Chris a lot <laughs> this morning. Yeah, he's got a good channel. Yeah. What was that? Ghost? Know. Is that you got your kids with you, Steve? Maybe Steve farted. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's not there. Oh, uh, he probably switched over. No, I'm on hold. Oh, that's my dog. Oh. Yeah. She better she better get out of here. Piss me off. Dude, you've never I, I haven't heard you tell it the story of your uh your big fish when you won that tournament at Clear Lake. Oh man. Been waiting for it. <clears throat> yeah. That was a big one, wasn't it? Eleven? Yeah, it was at eleven. No one wants to hear my stories. If that was the case, I'd be on someone else's podcast. No, no, 11, so that 11. that's why that's why I started my own podcast. I was like, Well, <laughs> no one's ever gonna invite me. I guess I'll start my own. What do you mean you could just talk about yourself all the time? <laughs> <laughs> No, eleven had a clear like that's a big one, man. Yeah, it was it was a pretty cool deal. I mean, I've I've brought it up before, but you know, it's um, uh, I mean, I, any tournament you fish is hard. I mean, people don't understand. It's like one of the hardest things you do. I mean, at any level, because you just you never know. You it's a, it's all uncontrollable. But that that day was um, was pretty epic, and we were on a pretty good streak after that. Yeah. Isn't it funny how that happens when you get on those streaks like that? Yep. And, and it was, Oh yeah, it was in the summer. Yeah. That's a big fish for the summer. Dude yeah. on a crankbait. Yeah. My biggest fish from there came in the summer as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're long and skinny that time of year. Yeah. Was you're skinny. Was, no, she was, she was fat. fat. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah, the, um, when we're coming out of uh, Red Butt, get, getting into, um, you know, passing dollar, yeah. I kind of slowed down a little bit, and I told my buddy, I was like, yeah, dude, some douchebag's going to catch 30 pounds to win this. And then we just kept on going. <laughs> we just stopped at one of the poles by Rattlesnake, or the only pole, right there in the front, and we just did work. We didn't, I the last time I was there was October the year before, and we just, you know, we just showed up, no pre-fish, nothing, and just two dummies out there throwing crankbaits and jigs, and hey guys. The, the fish showed yeah. up. What's up? Oh, there you are. Mario, what's up, bro? Oh, my God. Hi, Chris. What's, hey, what's up, Steve? <laughs> oh, this is cool, man. What a nice little reunion, man. I haven't talked to you fools in a while. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding, dude. It's been too long. Been way too long. Did you get your boat finished? You, yeah, I'm... I'm finishing up. I'm like uh, 80% done with Trace boat, but like, uh, dude, 
like all these hummingbird johnson outdoors electronic trolling motor and 360 and, and solixes like it's all coming in like like sporadically oh, like sporadic man. shipments it's like and you'll get one ethernet cable here a power cable here it's mm. like dude, these manufacturers are so backed up it's not even funny yeah so i'm like 80 percent done with traits boat i'm trying to get it out uh, uh as soon as possible because my boat comes this week nice well yeah those yeah. um Shout out John, Johnson Outdoors. I returned a Gen Two Helix. I was having problems with, and they sent me yeah. a, they sent me a Gen Three, and I was I was pretty psyched, but I knew something something was gonna go wrong, and um, it was yeah. reading my OG three sixty as a Mega three sixty, and it was turning on uh, and off. So they kind yeah. they kind of forced my hand to buy a Mega. <laughs> so i was like thanks guys a perfect excuse <laughs> yeah that's yeah the original the og 360 it's definitely obsolete man once you go to that uh mega 360 it's i mean it's doesn't even compare oh man i was telling mario it's earlier gonna, it's gonna hurt my resale yeah, value thanks chris <laughs> <laughs> what, what he means is it's 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 it still works, but <laughs> it still works. Yeah. You just it might not build works. a CD fish. Hey, dude, it's a it classic. It shows you structure. Yeah, yeah it shows all... you the structure, but you won't see as many fish. Uh, you had one. You had a 360 like early on, right? Yeah, that was after um, I I won that tournament. <laughs> I had a little spending money, <laughs> but nice. I, oh, I just dude, that's the best. Yeah, Spending dude. Harder cash on uh, on boat parts and tackle and swim baits. Mm-hmm. Well, what it was like, I just upgraded to eight ninety nines with you know side imaging coming off of yep. um, HDSs. Yeah. And just being able to see what I saw with um, the side imaging, I was like, dude, I gotta get a three sixty. Yeah. And Ready. yeah, it was DOT, and that's Dongong titties. <laughs> Whenever you got Dongong titties, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i called uh johnson outdoors the other day uh and i was on hold it was like uh it's like 3 30 p.m pacific standard time and i was on hold for uh, probably 20 minutes while i was fiddling with the boat and then realized that they were probably closed and that's why i was <laughs> yeah. on hold for that yep. long yep. Uh, yeah yeah, yeah they were probably uh closing up shop and then the phone's just ringing in the background yeah. i'm not entering that yeah, what did you need bad. steve Oh, uh, I bought a, uh, uh, I've been getting a lot of inter- interference on my, uh, on my front meter. And so I got a, just, I ordered a puck transducer. So I was trying to figure yeah. out what kilohertz yeah. to run. And then, uh, yesterday morning, uh, before blast off, I realized I didn't leave enough slack in that new transducer on my trolling motor and I snapped yeah. a wire on it. So, oh, no. so, so everybody's blasting off and I luckily had my down imaging transducer in the back compartment. Luckily so I, you were the last boat out. Yeah, I threw it on with some, yeah, it was the last boat out. So I threw it on with some duct tape and, uh, yeah, had wires all over. I still have the other nice. transducer yeah. wire like wrapped around my, my <laughs> nice. graph, but it worked. Looking like the road warrior out there. Yeah. The Cheddar Bob moment. What lake was that? It was at McClure. Ooh. McClure, yeah. So you needed it no matter what. Yeah, I broke sure. a I broke a, a, a tiebreaker with Ish for a big fish yesterday. That was my claim to fame. Ish was out there? Nice. Yeah, Randy Pearson won. Yeah, Randy and, won. Uh, yeah, Ish oh, cool. fished. And uh, yeah, there was 80 boats. And uh, they combined two regions. And yeah, everybody was itching to get out. The lake's 145 Dude, feet down. Boats? Yeah, 80 boats. Good, right? And uh, 
it's the the ramp is one lane so it took forever just getting in and getting out but yeah. it was cool it was a nice day little fun fact for you guys randy pearson's brother is my boss so huh it's it's really? pretty cool is that who he fishes with no my no. randy pearson his brother is my boss for my job <laughs> oh did he fish with his dad yesterday? yeah he fished yeah. with his dad yesterday yeah okay but uh nice. yeah let's uh Let's kick this bad mama jamma off. Yeah. So we got, I got three dudes on the line right now. And if I had a Mount Rushmore of fishing in a period of my life, let's, let's just say I have multiple Mount Rushmores for every phase of fishing in my life. And um, Steve, Larusa, and Chris are definitely on my Mount Rushmore for phase one and little old Mossy's fishing career. So Larusa. <laughs> is the first guy that you know he showed me how to tie a palomar knot he you know he taught me about the drop shot i was uh i just i remember one time i was gonna buy those pre-made uh leader drop shots back when coyote used to carry those ones and i was about to you know pay for them and he's like no you're not buying these and he just walked me back to the and and showed me how it was done and I don't know if Denise got upset that you didn't make the sale because it probably would have made the shot more money. But I remember her grabbing you and being like, what'd you do that for? That's Who pre-tied them? Was it like Jason Chin? The no, like, um, they were gammies, dude. Yeah, they they were gamagatsu and they came pre-tied. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, you don't even know what kind of line is on there. You can't use that. And then, um, yeah, but with you, Chris, the memories I have is like, dude, so um you know slowly i started progressing from the from the calaris lineup to to loomis's and i still have that you know you didn't sell it to me but you sold it to me from the sales floor it's uh um, what is it the 830 i don't know it's the loomis cranking rod that I'm, i feel like oh, 845 yeah the 845 or, yeah. yeah i still got that bad boy and um anytime you you know i would talk to you you'd, just the way you'd like one time you showed me how to how to rig up a jig and the way you were putting on the little chunk just like so meticulous and straight i was just like all right already dude i want to go <laughs> you always like you were always next level with things dude and then um was another thing i remember too it's like i think you were trying to help me out and trying to help me elevate my game but i was just dude, just uh, so bright-eyed and bushy i just wanted to get out there and like you would talk about these tapes you had of like i don't know if it was skeet reese or something but yeah. you were trying to show me something cool and i was like you got tapes what do you can you just ring me up now <laughs> and i just go to claro but that's awesome yeah what were those dvds called chris i remember those. oh man yeah. those were, what were you trying uh, to show me they were, wasn't classic patterns. Classic, classic patterns yeah and uh Dude, I learned a lot. It's weird how, like, uh, you go through, like now it's all YouTube videos, and I'm sure you can name, you know, the kids now will have like one favorite YouTube video that stands out um, amongst the other others. But like back then, it was like VH. Dude, that I mean, shit, that was like late '90s, early 2000s, where VHS tapes were still around, and we'd still like record, you know, the, the Elite Series tournaments uh-huh. or, or back. Back then, it was the top 150s or whatever it was, and he had it on VHS and just watch it over and over. But, um, yeah, those tapes were awesome. Damn, dude! Sure. If only, yeah. if only I would have settled down and watched some tapes, I'd probably be a little further along. 
yeah, in my in my well, skill set. They weren't easy to come by either. You know, it wasn't like you could just go to the store and buy them. You yeah. know, you yeah, to, totally. But yeah, no, th- those were cool. I remember we would sit around and watch them before a tournament or before going on a fishing trip and get all fired yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, dude. Oh, yep. So, Mario, do you remember? Uh, Probably I not. think no. Nah, I think the the first uh, memory I have, of, I, or probably before I met you at the bait shop, was uh, I w- I went out to Claire. I was by myself, and you were, I think you were in your kickboat or a float tube, and I was going out by myself. And I was like, dude, just jump on the boat with me. And I think you were work. Were you working at Safeway or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you just got done like working all night or something. You're like. Oh man, I'm so tired. I was just gonna go out for a little bit. Did I sleep on your boat? I I don't even <laughs> remember the day of fishing, but I just remember picking up this this kid that was in a float tube and told him to jump on the back of my boat. And I'm pretty sure you fished in your waders too, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, that sounds clip. sounds like something I'd do. Just hop on the boat with some sketchy big dude. I mean, what was I supposed to do? Say no? Surprise! Surprise! I didn't end up at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, we were the only two people out there. I think it was in the winter. Tonight in the news, little Mexican boy dude, my, disappears. My, my first Mario. Yeah, go ahead. My first my first Mario memory is Claro as well. What? With that old? Didn't she have like an old black? Like yeah, the Yukon. Used to put. Yeah, Yukon used uh-huh. to throw your flow tube in the back of it. Call that fitted and committed, buddy. <laughs> oh, but um, so Erickson, like you're on my you're on my rush on my Rushmore too, and my tournament phases, like, um, you were just hella nice to me, dude. You anytime we had tournaments that would um, like overlap each other, like I could depend on you, and you'd be like, yeah, dude, stay here with me, or or you'd look at the stuff I had tied up, and you know you wouldn't. You wouldn't make me feel like an idiot. You just like I'd see your eyes like open up, and then your wheels start turning, and like seeing the same things I saw and what I selected on using. And you're just, you know, you that means a lot yeah, to somebody. You, know? you didn't make me feel together. Yeah, you didn't make me feel like an idiot. So I appreciate you for that. <laughs> right on, man. See, there's no better like uh, just that whole like small tackle shop community. Like, dude, that, that's the deal. Like, I, do, I, do people still do that? Like, I I know, like, around here, and I live in Dallas-Fort Worth area now, but, like, the tackle shops are, like, uh, you know, they're, they're, there aren't very many. Like, you know, if someone needs tackle around here, they're either going to go to a Bass Pro Shops or a, a Cabela's, but there aren't very many, like, mom-and-pop, like, real homey family uh type tackle stores around here and that's like that's where really you could you know really help each other out and and tell stories lie to each other that type <laughs> of thing. there's always that friendly competition because you're so tight with all the you know customers or you know all, yeah. all the all the homies around so like i i mean and then also too like tackle warehouse right i mean most people when they want to go buy tackle they just yeah. hop on their phone order tackle and it's at the door in two days um but yeah, there's something about going to a tackle shop and uh, and like selecting tackle and then or just and then just driving ten minutes away and going to Calero or whatever it is yeah. and trying it catching them, dude. Like that was just I was gonna say like the Calero, that was like the best way to okay, I got like three hours in an afternoon. Oh, let's just go to Calero, you know, all the <laughs> South Bay guys, like that's where you went. Anderson, you could always go there. Anderson was always known for the numbers and you know you go there and you catch a pound and a half or a pound and three quarter and and uh and you know that was 
that was doing something. But um, but Calero, you could always go there and catch four or five pounder. It seems like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, those were the days. When yeah. was the last time you were at Calero? Any of you guys? <sighs> I that was my first trip in my in my newest cooler. Me and my dad went out there and broke it in there. So less than a year ago. Less than a year. Wow. Yeah. Did you catch yeah, any fish? I punched one good one. And I thought <laughs> it was like my third flip in the morning. And I'm like, oh, this is going to get nuts. And that was the only thing I caught <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot different. Look, I haven't, Dude, I, I probably place, haven't been on it in 10 full. years. It's almost full now. It's, those are the it's training full. grounds. Well, they had to put the water from Anderson somewhere, right? Shit. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, probably all yeah, Hando that's water. True. That's true. Is it really? Yeah, uh, Anderson is damn near yeah. drained. I sent you the picture today, right? Yeah. 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 That that place that's, was just that, coming. It was on an upswing too, because you know, like you were saying, you get the numbers there, and they're probably a pound. But boy, like three years ago, the average was like two and a half, and then it was just yeah. at Anderson. At Anderson, yeah. Anderson yeah, was. Like, go ahead, Chris. It was a good place to work on stuff. It yeah, was a good I was, place yep. under finesse gang. That's exactly That's what I was gonna say. How many how many yeah. techniques did you learn for the first time oh, there? Spooning dude. or yeah, silver buddy, hula grubbing, silver buddying, uh, like deep spinner baiting. I remember one time I, there was a there was like a period of time when I first got my my Triton back in like oh oh six. <laughs> I just like disappear after you know whatever just. I, for an afternoon and i remember just trying out different techniques and like fishing the uphill like fishing uphill that thing like that i learned it at anderson and uh like i'd set up on all those points like going down towards the bridge on the right hand side just like really sneaky little you know point rock points and stuff and cuts but dude i remember like taking a like an old revenge spinnerbait when like the compact version first came out mm-hmm. and like the three quarter and the half ounce um but like i remember throwing that thing out in like 30 35 feet of water and letting it hit the bottom and just like slow winding it back and that's the same way i fish swim baits now but back then like you know like finesse swim baits and and uh ball headed swim baits weren't a thing back then but um I remember doing can you that. imagine can you imagine going there now knowing what you know like about electronics and like you said I'd the probably smoked and... by the local kids dude like if it was, if i fished the tournament i'd probably <laughs> smoked by the locals because i'd overthink it i'd like look for an offshore hump that doesn't exist way yeah. well once you figure something out on that lake it always changed and then we finally yeah. realize that we just need to stay within distance of the yeah. bridge if you're ever going to do good yeah. i remember one tournament there chris you and steve <laughs> fished and I fished with my buddy Chris, and it was so yeah. tough that we were drop shotting vertically, like over the top of trees. Do you remember that? And, yeah. we, were, and we were looking yeah. on the graph, and it was terrible. Yeah, like it was in, so terrible. Out in front of the bridge, right? Yeah, like just out in front a ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dave Tincotti was there, like in that area, that same tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. I think he won it right out there. Yeah. Probably so. No, yeah, it was him and his brother. Remember, his brother caught a big one. Uh, those those tournaments all. You know they they really uh, uh, mesh together. Remember, I remember one where Juan caught an eleven back there. Yeah. Holy crushed yeah. us, shout crushed out, everybody. Shout out Juan Acosta. Shout out Juan Acosta. Yeah, yeah. Barofka yeah, Juan, caught a seven Juan. on a member on an Osprey right under the bridge. Yep. Speaking of, by the way, do you guys know where uh, Jason Barofka is at right now? He's uh, in your living room, Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> He's on his way. Yeah, I saw a post. He texted. Me. 
couple of days ago so he was saying that it's, it was official he bought a house and Crazy. Tara are on their way to uh <clears throat> Texas that's awesome man as we speak so that's that's uh really cool he's um there's a lot of guys i've been talking to a lot of guys from back home they're like oh, i want to move i want to move and, and brofka actually did it um so he's looking he texted me and he's looking to uh to get in some tournaments around here so nice yeah. You ought to have him on your podcast, dude. Really cool, dude. You know that. Oh, yeah. Dude. I got I got my eyes on all. Oh, yeah. Borofsky. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to. I'll let him tell you. But, yeah, he's got some big plans, uh, big plans next year. Yeah, shout out Jason. This year. I never I never really. Cal- um, California Circus. <laughs> yeah. I never yeah. really talked to Jason. Jason was one of those guys that I was like, uh, would just pass by and just you know in passing i'd see him and i'd never have a chance to you know bro down with him but you know I'd, Jason I'd like... Barofka is a power fisherman's power fisherman <laughs> he he is like even when he's uh, you know like out here we call it neko rigging but nail waiting out west is what you know we called it even when he's doing that technique it's like a big giant trick worm you know yeah he's like total power fisherman he'll fit right in, in in texas no doubt but like going back to the anderson thing catching seven on an osprey to anderson dude that's like that's unheard of you know yeah mario and i went fishing uh a few weeks back right after thanksgiving I think. yeah it was and and on our drive we were talking about uh he came up but we were talking about just uh the guys that 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 put in the work to get where they are and how how many years he fished as a co-angler and how yeah. many years Cody fished as a co-angler before they got yes. to the front of the boat? I mean, Jason's, oh man, he's been fishing tournaments for, shoot, you know, over 20 years and put in so much time as a co-angler before he made that jump, you know? And now for him yeah. to finally go back east, I mean, he's put in his dues for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How yeah. about old Russ Snyder's too? They, talking about like oh, yeah. Yeah. total <laughs> memory link. Like trip for me like i, I saw trade did a trip with him didn't he didn't she uh yes yeah yeah we were at a i was at a tournament lake check maga late last uh last season and uh you know russ lives in in uh, russ snyder's lives in tennessee if you the listeners don't know who he is you need to look him up he's like he was one of the best co-anglers he was one of the best you know western pros and, and now he's like legit number one kayak angler in the country right now. Holy cow. I, so he's, I mean, I think he's won just as much money as I, I have um, this year fishing out of a kayak. As I <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. Oh. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, the squirrel, man, the, the little squirrel, he's, uh, and he still looks the same. <laughs> the squirrel. He looks the same as he did 20, 25 years ago and hanging around the bait shop. Yeah, there. the first time I ever saw him in a tournament, he was fishing out of a Zodiac at, at yeah. Clear Lake, I think with his dad or something. And um, he he took like a top top 10 in a big pro-am out of, the, out of that Zodiac, I think. And uh, it's it's cool to see him back in a, in a kayak. I think he still has his bass boat, right? I mean, he doesn't have yeah. to fish out of a, a, a kayak. Uh, last but, I heard last week, you said he was having someone come out and take a look at it. I mean, it was the 2005 Rangers Z20 that uh, I think he was he was he uh, was 
He was like the first guy to have that Z boat. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe even before Steve Larusa. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I bought mine off the floor at the show, man. Oh, here we go. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it happened like quick. Like you traded. I think you guys traded that five twenty one VX in for it, right? Oh uh, yeah. My dad was so mad that they didn't tell us that the Z boat was coming out. I remember looking at his face, and I was like, "Oh, we're gonna get a new boat." <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny, like, thinking back with you guys on the phone. Like, Mario, you were in the shop. I mean, Larusa, you were working at the shop. I was working at the shop. Erickson was was uh, busy making money, but he'd come in every every couple weeks, mm-hmm. drop a couple hundred dollars on tackle. But uh, back then, it's just it's crazy how you look, look back now. But, like, all the little trends and stuff, right? It's like we always wanted to have the latest and, and greatest and – and um but that western fisherman is all about uh mercury out someone's pouring a drink uh <laughs> Mer- mercury outboards and ranger and boats man that's that was like growing up that's what everyone wanted mm-hmm. i just um these guys were telling me uh cnc is starting to carry skeeters now so oh wow yeah that's good. oh yeah that's because of ishama Ooh. yeah ishama's drawing that uh or uh, creating that bridge. Yeah, his, mm-hmm. his new boat looked really nice yesterday. Yeah. Was, I was pretty yeah. impressed. And I was telling Mario, there's a, you know, you don't see a lot of a Skeeters around out here anymore. But uh, yesterday I saw a lot, all brand new Skeeters. Really? So they must be pumping some out. It's good to see. Yeah. Uh, on McClure? Yeah. Motherload? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that CNC Modesto obviously serves a lot of those Motherload guys. And, I like uh, to think I started to trend out here yeah, in the Bay Area. Yeah, sure. You sure did. <laughs> That's awesome. No, Mark, it's, tell it was, us what happened to your boat. Oh, oh yeah. man. The, the Stratos, man. I rest in, rest in peace, uh, Speedo Burrito. So I was just... Uh, I was coming back home from uh, LBC, and it was one of those... Uh, one rod missions and all of us thrown was a mag draft nice. and um dude i got a couple short strikes but i had to go i had to pick up my dog from the bed or something so i was kind of i was kind of rushing to get back home but i always drive safe no matter what so um i'm coming down volta and i know i see this big super duty behind me and i'm like dude i'm gonna bum this guy out at the stop sign to get to, onto 152 because i'm gonna take forever to make that jump across because you got to go left yeah exactly so i pulled to the side i let that dude go so he's in front of me now and then we get to the stop sign he goes and then he crosses and then he's waiting in the um in the center lane to to merge and then i come to the stop sign i look left i look right and i see a cherokee probably about three miles and i'm like oh i got this and i look forward one more time and i see that super duty starting to take off from the center so I looked left again, and I'm still eyeballing that Cherokee. I'm like, all right, I got time, and I'm going. And then all of a sudden, the Super Duty stops right in front of me. And Hmm. so I had to, like, slam my brakes. So slam my brakes and turn. And um, apparently the fucking, that Cherokee didn't see 40 feet worth of rig in front of him, and he just clipped the end of my boat, knocked it off the trailer, like, flattened it out. And I just, I sat there, and I was like, People fly what? coming down that hill too, Dude, right? Yeah, it, it there's was, a hill. That yeah, well, it was it was three o'clock too. It was yeah, like everybody go home time. Steve, didn't you like have some happen right after that too? Yeah, right dude, there. So no, I went dude, Andreas there. too, I went right? There like, I I went there like I want to call it maybe four weeks ago, and I hadn't had my boat in the water for 
like a month. So it was super dry and we get there and I fail the inspection. It's just, this <laughs> lady found condensation. That God, <laughs> I thought you said yeah. condoms. She probably spit on your butt. <laughs> she did. I probably, I had to keep it. It was just out really? of my mind. It's dark. It's like five thirty. I drove two hours. I picked up my dad in Gilroy. I hadn't pitched with my dad for like a couple months. So he was all fired up and we get there and they, they turn us around. So we leave before the, the sun's even coming up. And when we're going back on Volta to do exactly what you just said, a truck, there was a F-150, a tomato truck crossing that little cut. Instead of making the left, it went straight. And the truck didn't see the tomato truck and just went right underneath it. Just oh, ripped the entire cab off God. the truck. There's no way that could, there's no way that anybody walked away from that. Oh, wow. So it was, yeah, I had to drive right by it. There was tomatoes everywhere. <laughs> dead, <laughs> dead bodies and tomatoes, six, See, six in the I morning. Steve was probably so yeah. upset to get tomatoes all over his butt. Uh, well, you no, did, I, didn't I you? Stopped cost, I stopped at Costa the Fruit and wiped it down, but I mean, that was, <laughs> that was terrible. Are you man. sure it wasn't the ghost of Large Marge? Yeah. <laughs> Peter Herman, anybody? I'm... Oh, my God. Shout out, shout out 152. Man, dude, yeah, that's that that little cut's no joke. They need to put a stop line. <laughs> yeah, you're dancing, you're dancing with like the that. devil on that oh, freeway. Yeah. yeah, you're better off just driving into Los Banos and do making the U-turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really unsafe spot. I drove by yesterday. Even even Dinosaur Point, dude. Yeah, sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was really foggy going through there yesterday, and it was it was pretty gnarly. But uh, 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 you know back to the to the south bay and and uh you know we didn't even get to to chime in on 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 coyote lake rest in peace coyote lake but uh well it's still there's still water in it but well the bite but uh it's not what it used to be but 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 my the first fish in in my boat that i have now was a 13 and a half pounder that Chris boat flipped <laughs> on straight braid with a Cinco. And I just remember yeah. looking and it was flopping on the front deck, just, just thinking flopping. like, oh my God, this that boat is going to be a legend. <laughs> so you guys, you guys, when that bite, that crazy epic bite with the swim baits or just, and just a crazy bite, you guys weren't on kick boats? Well, well, we started. We started, but Chris, Chris exploited the kickboat deal out there. Chris, yeah. what was your first double digit out there? Um, my first double digit was I think it was like a it was a night mission. Um, we had it was a either lot of those. night mission, yeah, just uh, with like Adam, mm-hmm. uh, one time maybe. Shout out Bass Monster, <laughs> Bass McAndrews. <laughs> I haven't talked to that dude in a while. But uh, he, I, when I worked at Coyote Bait and Tackle, he was there. Um, there was a little crew of all of us with Dave Meza. You know, yeah. we'd, we'd go out on a you know Friday night, Saturday night, or whatever. When um, you know, when uh, you know, most of my friends were getting in trouble or whatever. <laughs> I go fishing, man, and uh, and um, I think my first double digit was either a nighttime jig fish off of like one of those points and one of the campground point. Point probably. <laughs> um, they call it ten pound point now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, point now, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but everything I learned about uh, Coyote Lake, I learned from Coyote Chris. If oh. you guys know who that is. No. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. He just texted the, me like the warden. seconds ago. <laughs> dude, that guy. One time I was coming down in my legendary setup, the Yukon with the um, with the water skeeter on top. 
and I thought I saw someone flagging me down, and I was like, nah. And then the next time I went, I was like, all right, this is where I thought I saw someone flagging me down. And sure enough, the dude comes out of his garage, starts waving me down. I'm like, oh, shoot, he needs help or something. And then <laughs> he just wanted to talk he about fishing. He does need help. <laughs> he, 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 he probably offered oh, you a beer and wanted to talk. Yeah. Well, once we started talking, he realized what a greenhorn I was, and he let me go on my way. <laughs> He's like, "All right, kid, thanks for nothing." Uh, I remember. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember Chris. Uh, I remember it was hot as shit. It was like 110, and Chris was in his kickboat. It was right when Huddleston's first came out, and you could barely get him and he got one yep. and yep. prior to that for years he used to gut the old castaic trout he'd gut gut it down the middle like you're gutting a trout and take <laughs> yeah. the weight out of it and put a wd-40 <laughs> straw in in it and and he would fish a a, a castaic trout like that but he got the huddleston and i and and if it serves the the story right he he went back and forth on the dam and what did you catch that day chris yeah dude I, yeah going back to that I think so that Huddleston, the way I got that Huddleston, I think it was 2002 or 2003 and I was heavily kickboating at the time. I was working at Coyote Bait and Tackle with, with Steve and, and Mesa and all, all of them. And I was throwing that, uh, Castaic, um, it's just a regular boot tail, like an eight inch, eight and a half inch, uh, boot tail swimmer, but it was like too heavy. So you had to cut like an ounce and a half weight out of it and like really, um kind of surgically put it back together <laughs> with, with the straw make it a line through kind of like a uh kind of like an osprey yeah um, so that was before i was before mend it right before mend it yeah so you had to be real careful with it but and it had to be weighted right but so like that was it was you know it was appealing to me because it just looked real it was like it, it biologically it looked like a trout like everything about it looked like a trout so I remember throwing that for like a whole year or so. And like, I had really started picking up the swim bait thing on, on coyote. And then I've, we've always heard about the Huddleston, you know, working at the yeah. tackle shop, Huddleston, Huddleston. Oh my gosh, these guys are catching giants in SoCal on this Huddleston. Like, what is this Huddleston? Somehow one got sent up to coyote bait and tackle somehow. <laughs> and I don't know if Denise made the decision or, or, or La Russa made the decision to, to let me at it. Like someone gave it to me. <laughs> I think it was Steve. I don't know if it's Steve or Denise because they knew, like, whoever gave it to me knew I was, you know, fishing swim baits heavily at that time. And, like, I remember the next day I went out there in my kick boat and uh, tied that huddle stint on a, you know, 20 pound monofilament. It was 20 pound uh, Maxima green, I think. Or, oh, yeah, sure. green, whatever. Ultra Dude, what green. rod would you, would, did yeah. you even use? What rod did you use? Dude, come on, I'll never forget this. An it 806? No, no, G. Loomis, um, 804, or no, I'm Nine, sorry, it's 904? 904, 904, 904, yeah. 904X, and it was a GL2, it was a blue the one. The blue, telescopic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, telescopic with a, with a old school Corrado uh, 200. Uh, two, it was a 200, I think I was fishing right-handed reels at that time. But anyways, yeah, it was, uh, just went to the corner of the dam. It was August 3rd, 2003, I believe is what it was. <laughs> to the day. And, uh, it was hot and they were doing the, the trout stocking, but like who, who, who knew, like you could go out and catch 14 pounders on the dam in, in August. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I remember like my first Huddleston fish was a 
fourteen one. On that open, yeah, it was it was like rigged with like a Gamagatsu bronze treble hook. It was like a two odd hook um, in a kick boat, and I remember just making that cast. I knew there was like a little rock pile, rock ledge on the corner of the dam. And I remember setting up my kick boat to oh, where like, yeah. here's the angle, here's the cast. And that's when I really started thinking about angles and, and swim bait fishing. And when that thing smoked it in the corner of the dam, after I swam it by this rock and like, it was like 12 or 13 feet of water. Um, the fish smoked it. It jumped once. I was like, Oh, that's like a 15 or 16 <laughs> yeah, pound. Dude. That, <laughs> dude, that yeah. jump. Oh my God. Oh yeah. yeah. And they, they, they can't even get out of the water. Yeah. They could barely move. Now, they, yeah, but that was like a 14, and I went back two days later, caught an 11, and then like oh, yeah. three days later, catch a 12 and an 8 or whatever <laughs> it was. Just like stupid in the month of August, the weirdest thing. And, and um, but yeah, that's 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 the Huddleston. Like that was my, you know, that was my first look at a Huddleston. And and like you see these swim bait trends, they they like you know the the hollow belly, hollow belly, mm-hmm. hollow, the bastard this and that like fish get used to it they really do like the huddleston like isn't as effective uh as it once was one because of the you know they no longer stock trout from what i understand in northern california but two they get used to it dude those big giant ones you could fake them with a with with a with a you know phony piece of rubber <laughs> that looks like a trout like once or twice but then they start to realize like ah, dude there's something different about it. oh i could see that 20 pound test ultra green now it's like different you know it's it's uh those big ones they they're smart dude yeah it's one chance at fooling those giant ones yeah it's just like when you have bad mexican food you're like i'm never going back to that spot again <laughs> <laughs> gave me the shit uh, boy but i mean chris that that would you say that 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 catching those fish on the huddleston i mean catapulted you to where you are today and and always having a mag draft tied that on week, yeah that week or two of of uh of swim bait and then and then like and then the following march you know it's like dude that's all you want to do that march and that april um I, man i lost so many on that thing too just like learning you know my equipment sucked <laughs> or it, just sucked. It's just, it wasn't right and i didn't know that yeah so i just didn't a freaking parabolic swim bait uh flipping stick with 20 pound stretchy monofilament like i lost so many of them and and um there's no telling what what lived in that lake at that time but but yeah definitely like that those experiences and my favorite thing about a kick boat is you're by yourself like Mm -hmm. you learn it firsthand by your freaking self like there's no one there oh hey did you see that now it's like oh okay i learned that for the memory bank and and, uh, at somewhere else that's what's really cool about um Fishing, yeah, but. you're more more in tune with nature. Yeah, I was, yeah, tell, I was totally. telling Mario <clears throat> that you know you don't talk about this a lot, but you, uh, I mean, you fished in a kick boat for a lot of years before you ever had a boat. Shout you out fished, bass and tubes. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> fished a lot of tournaments at Clear Lake and the Delta, <laughs> Nacimiento, and uh, lots, dude. You learned a hey, lot that? that way. Yeah, dude, lots and lots. Um, What's that little lake down in uh, where you're or where you're living now, Steve? Oh, Pinto. Pinto Lake, yeah. I fish tournaments there. Yeah, yeah that's a really cool lake, man. It's a little gem, from what I hear. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, shout out Juan Acosta again. That's where he got his, his start. I, 
I uh, I fished it uh, with Willie Fujita for the first time a few years ago, like on a boat. I'd never been on it on a boat. And when you get in the back end of it, it's got all these like Thule Islands. It's got uh, it's got peat moss like at Frank's like in Frank's track that floats around. Like when the water gets high, these islands move all around the the lake. In fact, that day we couldn't launch because there was an island, a Thule Island, like on the launch ramp, and 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 the the ranger had to like push it off the launch ramp so we could launch the boat. But it's a really cool lake and. Uh, they uh, back in the '80s or something, Santa Cruz County stocked shad in that lake for mosquito control or, or algae. I don't know what it was, but it's full of big threadfin shad, and it's just a little lake. So they had that, and they were stocking trout in there. So there were some, there's some giants that have been caught out of that little teeny place. Yeah, yeah. There are some freaking little jewels around that whole South Bay area. If you, if you, uh, if you want to do some exploring. Oh, there used to be. I don't. I mean, man, I, I love to yeah. go. Yeah, those days are over now, man. You got to go to Berryessa or Clear yeah. Lake or. So, yeah. what do you guys? What do you guys think made it so special back then? Just no sp- government intervention. <laughs> no muscle inspection. <laughs> the red-legged horny toad never existed. That's it. Yeah, just big scam of that- these environmental groups and these yeah. counties trying to scrape by and. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of sad, dude. I, I, I think there's a big uh, uh, trend, too, with water level. Like, when we were young, when we were kids, flow tubing, or when we first had our boats, like, every spring, Calero would get all the way full, and you could throw spinnerbait yeah, through the wood. Brass. Same at oh, Anderson. Dude. You could go flip yeah. trees, and, and Coyote, Almond we could go. Oh, oh, yeah. All, the, <laughs> all those lakes, they would let the water fill up, and then all of a sudden, somebody did a study on all the dams, and said so they all had cracks in them, and... They would never let yeah. them fill up all the way, and uh, I think, you know, that that hurt the population in general. But whenever the lakes were low, the fishing was never good. I mean, it, it just just what it was. But whenever, like, whenever coyote flooded, whenever it first flooded, oh my god, and you yes. went to go into the south end, it was like, oh. you know, the I just remember the pump of launching the boat, and it'd be, you know, even if the water was chocolate brown, <laughs> like you knew your chances <laughs> of catching a big one. Were, were so good that an- anticipation was amazing you know i mean chris what what did you have like 50 pounds one day out there in the spring 47 47 yeah, pounds out of a kick boat a 13 11 a 13 11 eight and a half eight seven seven something like that um but like that man the south end of of uh of coyote that's just your typical like pre-spawn is March, uh, your typical pre-spawn, um, big female bass using Creek channel swings Mm -hmm. and setting up on like isolated trees on these Creek channel swings Uh, on their way to spawn in the backs there. And and, like, uh, I made an Instagram post a couple of years ago now, probably, but I remember like every scenario now when I'm out fishing the tour and, and uh, I come up across the pre-spawn situation and, and, um, and there's some big ones in the, in the lake. Um, I always think about those days or that day where I caught a 47 pound limit at coyote. It's just textbook freaking coyote's a small lake. It's just a sliver of a lake, Yeah, but it's got characteristics that a lot of the lakes in the country have, or like, you know coyote can be considered as like one little creek arm in a lot of the lakes mm-hmm. we fish on oh tours. shoot yeah i never looked at it like that yeah a lot of times in the back of my head i'm like oh let's just work on this creek today in practice and i get two and a half days of practice okay so i'm gonna spend my time in this in this creek 
and you know it's March, it's pre-spawn. Okay, let's see if we can find a meandering channel in the back of this thing with you know standing timber. Oh, let's just act like we're at Coyote and just <laughs> yeah. all the trees that like are on those channel swings where those hairpin turns are. That's where your giants, giant ones hang out, and um, and just the confidence of that, like, oh shit, I got forty-seven pounds. <laughs> <laughs> let's see if i could let's see if i could do it here on table rock yeah. oh no that's shoot. a really good that's a really good point because yeah i mean besides that south end of coyote we don't we don't really have anything with a bunch of standing timber right but you see stuff like that in texas and i remember you know in the spring there the lake could be super muddy but that fresh water would come in in the back of that south end and in that creek would be clear and those, yeah. and, and also, it was like when the water first went back there, like the crawdads were coming out of hibernation. They were just gorging on crawdads. You had clear water. The fish would suspend in the trees. If it got super yeah. flooded, they would just go right to the bank, right? So it would get so flooded that the trees would be in like 30 feet of water. And you'd be like, all right, well, let's just go fish this, you know, flooded bush over here because the water's so high. But it, it taught us that those fish put their nose on the bank. Like they were going to go up to hard structure on the bank when that water yep. went high. And guess what? That's water. where you'd find yep. them. Like, like there'd be picnic <laughs> benches, and like, you know, but the, that's where the fish spring were. Rains. Dude, like the best spot during the spring rains, like in pre-spawn, like that rock, that little rock stretch. It's like a little 15 yard stretch on the yeah, left, that yeah. little rock stretch. And there was like one tree on the left, one tree on the right. There's mm-hmm. always oh, yeah. fish on those, dude. Oh, yeah, one time uh, I was supposed to meet Jason Chin out there on a float tube mission or a kickboat mission. He got there way before me, and he was already across the way on that stretch. And then by the time I reached him, he was already coming back. He's like, I already did what I came here to do. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, I caught a 10-pounder, and he was coming back eating a sandwich. Actually, I think I got there. Then he caught the 10, and then he busted out a sandwich and took off. And I was like, dude, if I caught a 10, I'd be out here till the sun went down <laughs> but he like he already knew he was gonna go catch a double digit and then just go home moss you and the uh and the bass turds had some pretty epic missions out oh, there huh God. you guys it's kind some of some big ones yeah well um me personally i i didn't know how special that was because it was still like the beginning for me like to, like i've always fished since i was a kid and you know i really because of you guys because you know, my friends and then the, you know, the cool guys at the shop, like I got really into bass fishing and, you know, that was like 2005. So when the bastard thing started happening, I was like 2007 and it was just like, it was just gerbs. He went out there and he figured out that HUD bite and, you know, I'd talk to you and you'd just tell me, just chuck it, wind it and just let it just bump the... just bump the ground, just drag, fish it like a jig. And, you know, that's what I did. And, you know, the one time I did that, it was like, it was sometime in July. They just, the lake was low. They weren't letting any boats on the water. They were still stocking it with trout. And um, I was on that flat across from 10 pound point. We called it shit rock because (laughs) there's a big boulder there. All the birds like to hang out on just, you know, handle their business on it. So it's like bright white. So, you know, I'm just, I'm out there on my kickboat and dude, before I knew it, you know, I, I had like 43 pounds on a, uh, on a HUD dude. And I caught, I caught everything from, from five pounds to 12 pounds that day. So it was, it was just, it was nuts, man. And what, if, uh, five, 
or the 12. What was that? Which, which HUD was it? Oh, it was the 12. 12, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was Shasta. Did you hook every one of them and then, well, with the top hook and the, just the roof of the mouth? Yep. Yeah, and it was it was that bite where you just let them load up. And I didn't know what I was doing. All I was just following directions, dude, just chucking wind up. Like, okay, she's got it, she's got it. And I just keep on winding and I'm like, oh, that's good. Boom! And, you know, sure shit, they were there. But it felt like I was doing something bad, dude. Like, I just, I was looking around, like, holding an 11-pounder on my lab. I'm like, dude, what the heck <laughs> is going on? You felt guilty. Yeah, I did feel, feel guilty. guilty. Yeah. I did feel guilty, and I was the only one out there, and, you know, I had a flip phone with a little camera on it, and it's just, you know, it's too bad that I couldn't record that thing, but. What yeah. a fun South Bay playground, like, I, and it, I mean, dude, you could, I mean, like, Erickson, do you catching, what, 10, 11 pounders on a chatterbait, like. Chatterbait? Otter chatterbait. Yeah, it was, like, January 4th, and it's, like, it's it's the playground for everybody to catch their first yeah. double digit. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. it is really is i caught my first one steve there. you yeah. got your first double digit there right with thomas no adam and i both caught uh 10 pounders and just to think that was my that was my only 10 pounder and he probably had already caught like 50 out there you know shoot but uh yeah you know Costello, and like, if you uh, ask costello he's got 167 yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 but if you think of like them all logged if if you could if it's you could same count one. up like between costello and the ones chris talked about and and chris caught a lot but I mean, Chris, really, you didn't spend that much time out there. But I like, Borovka probably has hundreds, Barofka, yeah. and Juan probably has hundreds. Juan, I mean, Juan, Mike. God, I mean, yeah, there yeah. are so many. And then all the dudes that would just come. Dave Ueda. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. Dude, I, I bought a thirteen pounder <clears throat> off of a dude who brought it into the bait shop, and it was alive still. He brought it in to take a picture, oh, and he was gonna like he was just so pumped. He wanted a Polaroid taken of this thirteen. And he had it in a cooler, and it was still alive. Like and it was just full of eggs. It was in the spring, and I remember. I don't know who was working at the shop that day, but I remember we ponied up like like sixty bucks and gave this guy sixty bucks for the thirteen, and we threw it in one of the tanks in the back. And then somebody went and re- I think Adam went and released it later, you know. But uh, the, you know, there was so many of those things in that lake, you know. Crazy dude. Yeah. Like how so like right now like as it is right now was it January tenth two thousand twenty one or January yeah January tenth two thousand twenty one how many ten plus pounders do you think are swimming in that place right now? I mean let's say like in the heyday let's say in the heyday there were Good percentage of it per- percentage of heyday yeah uh, that's that's hard dude <laughs> is hard yeah that is tough to do oh. yeah. I'd... I don't know. You know, the the one thing I always think of is is I remember a trip out there with you, Chris, one time. That lake has some so many shad in it, big shad. Yeah, like, exactly. they used to spawn on the banks there in, the, yeah. in like May and June. And if you were yeah. there, remember we used to be able to launch like at five in the morning there, first light, and they would yeah. spawn on the banks. And I remember That's they were a huge shad in that lake. So big giant ones. Maybe. You know, maybe they they still can can eat that, but it's been. I mean, they don't let it fill up or even get close to filling up. I mean, let's say let's say there were like a hundred. What do you think? Like a hundred over ten? That's a small lake. Yeah, I would probably say maybe twenty. Maybe a hundred hundred over ten in the heyday. You think? Oh yeah, Erickson. 
No, because Costello has said he's caught in over 150, and, <laughs> and I and I know he's I know he's a BSer, but I I do believe he's caught. Yeah, you're over oh, 110 pounders. Yeah, there. I think there's. I think there's more. way more. Yeah, I, no, dude, the heyday started like back in like 98 or 99 because I had a buddy who used to walk the bank and throw flukes, and he would catch like a nine and a ten, and th- there was a lot of ten pounders, and then they started growing to twelves, and then. Uh, I'll never forget there was a kid working at the bait shop and on Thanksgiving Day he went uh, this kid named Zach he went out and caught a 12 and a 15 uh, from the bank on an old z- those zipper jigs that had like the the EWG hook built into them and um and uh, uh he was on the front page of Western Outdoor News and that was like in 2000 maybe right so I mean you fast forward to I don't know like the last time Coyote Bait and Tackle ever had a tournament, I mean, we all weren't working there anymore. The, uh, Chris and Steve, you guys fished together. That was maybe we like 2010. It, yeah. And there was still, remember, uh, Juan and Mike had like 32 pounds. And, oh, my God. And and there was the one yeah. year before that, uh, Brofka and, and Tara won with like a ridiculous weight. So it lasted almost 10 I, years, if not more. I would say, Chris, to your point and to your question, this is it, it is diminished pretty much to probably three percent of what it was because of that, yeah. that lack of trout population yeah. and the bucket fishermen. Don't Ooh. forget about the bucket fishermen yeah. that are out there. Oh, oh yeah, they're poachers. They poach at night and everything. Yeah. yeah, dude, the meat hunters are have have hurt that. Like, you know how long it takes a bass to get to eight to twelve, fourteen pounds, and all it takes is. It's one little look at a at a minnow and a bobber for all that to end. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Genetics too. I know, like back in the day, there was always stories of guys bringing fish from the delta and putting them in there, and those genetics thin out over years. You know, if um, that's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. That's, oh. but, yeah. So the lake does have water in it right now, though. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't. Think I think you can launch your boat there, right? No, I think it's closed right now. Well. It, Costello was going there a lot, like maybe a month ago or so, and he he uh, he didn't have anything good to say about it. Wow, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, I think what what what's the? I mean, if there was potential of a lake around here to pop a double digit anymore, it'd probably have to be the LBC because they still stock Lost trout, Banos. right? But really? They stock or big Del, trout, Del Val, maybe? No, they Del got Val. they got those candy bar trout in there too. Do they? Yeah. In, um, where in Lost LBC? Banos. LBC, nice. Yeah. But um, I think Del Val would be, okay. yeah, Del Val would be kind of hard because there's a striper in there. So, hey, yeah, Steve Erickson, remember that? Remember yeah. So that trap bite isn't that like a January bite there? I forget. Oh yeah, there. yeah. When that was that was December January. You could probably because... go right right now and do it right if there's grass. Yeah, yeah. That was when you got on that that uh, red, the red eye, eye. nasty Ooh. bite. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was fun, dude. Every one of them was six to eight pounds. Huh? Mario's not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've already done my I've already well, done my damage to that place. I feel guilty, dude. Uh, yeah. But yeah. you got to get yeah. it, get it while it's there. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, it's hard, know, dude. Then, it's hard to drive to that lake and a not know if it's going to be open because they let the water out of that dam sometimes and they close the road. Oh, dude, but I've, then I've been kicked out of there so many times for that. Yeah, it's the like, ranger will come and find you. Yeah. yeah, the ranger will come and find you and kick you out. It's like uh, you know when you only you know nowadays when you get one day a month to go fishing with kids. It's like, uh, 
Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste sure it, you know? I mean, and then like Del Val, uh, how many times has went to Del Val like three weekends in a row and each time he failed the, the test. They took his muscles. prop off. What? Yeah, yeah, they took his <laughs> he, prop he off. Passed, he passed everything and then they're like, okay, let's take your prop off. Some CSI oh, stuff. Yeah. They took his prop off and they, there was like, you know, condensation under there. They nailed him. Dude. That's yeah, not worth it. That's the state. That's the state we're living in, Chris. State law. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. well, let's bring it back to Yodi. Why do you guys think that that didn't get blown up all crazy like how Dixon did? SoCal is it just different cultures? Like the guys well, over there seem a little more PB hungry, or it was drinking out like sixteen, seventeens, like eighteens. It was like a lot of thirteen to fifteens, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I think there's probably a couple 16s that were caught out of there, but I think, um, you know, you would run into like some dudes from way down south, like, like central California that would come up and hear about it. But, um, I don't know. Dude, Matt Allen used to go there with, uh, what's his name? Fish Chris. Remember that guy? They used to go out there with the float tubes and they, they were good at keeping things under wraps back then. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing. Like the other thing too is like you talk, you say Dixon and all those other like long snagging lakes. Like, <laughs> so like, how many thirteen plus pounders have you heard of at Coyote, or have you caught off a of bed there? Like none, right? No, yeah, exactly none. none. You never ever hear of any giant ones bed fishing. One because the water clarity is not the best, but even then, like mm-hmm. down by the dam, like you never see giants spawning there. This yeah, is true. That, Never. That, that, yeah, you actually have to work for them to catch them. Yeah, oh, that's that's one huge difference between that. That's you a know, good point. That's probably that's and, probably it right there. Yeah, but it was there was a time where it got just stupid. Where, I mean, there was so many random guys that would come into the shop that that had, would pull out pictures of twelves or thirteens, and there was a lot of guys going at night. There was a, there was a group of guys going at night throwing like only nine inch slammers that would catch like 11 to 13s all the time, you know, I mean, for the stories that we have between us, there was, I mean, there was dozens of other guys that were on (laughs) the same deal doing the same thing. And that, that just, that goes to show how many big ones really were in there. Yeah. The only person that ever tried to steer me away from that was Mr. Thomas Wang. (laughs) Like I I would tell him, I think I'm going to go out for the night bite. Um, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I'm like, what are you talking about, Thomas? He's like, I was attacked There's by pigs a, out there. Yeah, I was attacked by a boar the other night. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew a guy. His name was Gangster Kenny. Oh, he used man. to roll out there with a, a jig rod and a freaking crossbow. Oh, shit. Boars. Yeah. Like, he would, yeah, he would port, uh, poach uh, pigs, you know, wild wow. pigs out there as they like were rooting around on the bank. He would hit them with a crossbow. <laughs> Oh my gosh i uh, uh, some i think i was gangster kenny that's a that's a small world dude steve i didn't tell you that dan dan knows gangster kenny uh pretty well oh man yeah he's Out pretty people he's, he's pretty gangster he's really gangster <laughs> yeah when you work at the tackle shop you come up with all these like uh these funny names for guys like mario i mean you know every time mario Mars. With, yeah, Mario Moss, every time he'd leave the tackle shop, we'd be like, yeah, that's big wiener Mario. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thanks, some, Thanks I guess. 
comes Gangster Kenny, and there goes Big Winner Mario. Yeah, he's out there just letting it swing, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gangster Kenny started out as a minnow minnow fisherman. He used to yep. come into the bait shop with his grandma and <laughs> yep. buy minnows and yell, Grandma, let me get some money. I need to buy these minnows. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's just... Uh, it, it, it's so cool, like, the, you know, talking about these stories and, uh, uh, you know, then like looking at where Chris is now and like living vicariously and thinking about these lessons that, that we all hold in these stories and he's been able to apply them and, and you know, learning a sw- how to throw a swim bait there. And he's always had, <laughs> Chris has always had a swim bait in his boat tied on no matter what. I mean, yeah. those, I mean, there's been times like uh, going and fishing a pro am at Clear Lake, and, and I look across across and over at some docks, and here's Chris skipping a HUD like it like a jig under every dock, and I'm like, I mean, just perfect, like every cast, just skipping. I'm like, dude, who does that? Who can skip a Huddleston <laughs> under docks like that? Or 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 you know, Osprey. throwing, dude, he was throwing wake baits at the Delta. And, and, you know, tricking them out with these crazy feathers and stuff, like, way before yeah. <laughs> anybody was making weight baits for the Delta, like, way back in the day, you know? Like, it's always been a tool for him. That's awesome. And yeah, that's where you, it started. You strike out a lot, and you know that, too, because you, you've done the swim bit thing. But yeah, it's the name of the game. You learn and learn and learn. Yeah, I don't use it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've learned. What? Yeah, so the, swim, the, the swim bait gets put on the shelf when you have kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick up a swamp crawler. <laughs> I'm going to make this trip count. Chris, one thing I've yeah. always wanted to ask you is like, uh, you know, you, you travel. Uh, how many years is this? What year will this be on, on the lead series? This is year number nine, bro. Holy moly. Nine, nine years. in seasons on the elites in 2020. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. I, I, Steve and I talk about this all the time and, uh, I, I mean, we're so lucky and I, I, I take it for granted. Uh, like when you're not doing well in a tournament, I pay zero attention to a tournament, but oh, when you're doing cool. good to live vicariously through you, it's like, I know, I, do I tell everybody in my family, <laughs> I was watching you on live one time during like a birthday dinner and, and, and my father-in-law is giving me a mean mug and I could care less, you know? Yeah, and, awesome. uh, it's, it, it's amazing. But like, uh, you know, for, from fishing Anderson and Claro and dude, you know, we used to fish Almaden Lake Park and all the all the ponds. Like, uh, you know, what what uh, what lessons do you think that from fishing back then that that you still use out on tour? I mean, like when I think of you from back in the day, I think of you as being you know super power fisherman, a great yeah. flipper, throwing a spinner bait, throwing a swim bait. But but you know, watching you and what you've been doing, you you've changed a lot. You know, changed a lot, dude. So like, yeah. So that's a good point, uh, Larusa, dude. I remember like the first three years straight, especially the first year. But like the first three years straight, I was just coming off the California Delta and clear, like where all I wanted to do was punch. And I will freaking like, and I think every fisherman goes through those phases, right? You'll go through. Oh, yeah. a, half a year long phase or a 12 month phase of like only doing one thing or favor, favor, favoring one thing. Yes. First year, dude, like I, I, all I wanted to do was flip and punch because that was what I was freaking. So like in tune with at the time. 
and I qualified for the elites with a with a punch rod. Um, you know, fishing the Arkansas River, I finished second place to Tommy Biffle in one of those <laughs> tournaments, and uh, with the punching rod, and and that's all I wanted to do like that first year and the second year. But you learn real freaking quick that these <laughs> those lakes out there at, at, at back east are just so damn big. You don't even have time to flip. Like you could spend uh, all day, you know, flipping. flipping one little one little nook off of a creek the size of you know one little nook the size of calero and it looks just like calero when there's grass and full of grass and you will not get a single bite and you're like why is this happening like <laughs> and they start getting discouraged and discouraged and discouraged and it really all has to be so right to get on that that flipping bite but what i've learned more than anything is you can't catch them the way you want to catch them you got to catch them the way the fish are telling you to catch mm-hmm. them like you have to absolutely have to do that you can't get even like a swamp like shaking a swamp crawler or nail nail weight like you, a lot of so sometimes you're just in that mood i, I want to catch them this way like out at, back east at some of these lakes like they won't even bite that like, they, <laughs> like a guy throwing just a simple spinner bait on a on a lay down bank like he catches 22 23 pounds and you'd think you go and, and shake a worm like on the point next to those laydowns, dude, when they are on those laydowns and they're only biting something flashy and skirty, like a spinnerbait, like that's the only, it's a pattern. And that's the pattern you need to look for. So that's the biggest thing going from like growing up fishing coyote, Anderson, Calero, um, even clear like in the Delta, but like those, it's all spot. It's like really spot related. And you have a handful of lures that work really well year after year after year. Um, you know, let's go over to nine pound point. Let's go over to that rock stretch in the back of coyote and, and, and flip a jig on there. And I will catch one yeah. like back east, all pattern fishing. If you're looking for us, that's why you see a lot of Western guys struggle because they're looking for spots uh-huh. or areas. It's all Would, about patterns. Once you find a pattern, you have to run with it. You could run the whole lake. Nice. Would you say that Shasta lines up? Close, yes, closest to that as well as anything else. Yeah, I always say it. I I always say it. But the the best pattern fishing lake out out west, and it's kind of not it, Mead. Lake Mead. Lake Mead is the best pattern Oof. lake out west. Um, if you never experienced Mead, or if you don't, you know, if you don't, um, you know, fish the Colorado River chain much. Um, Lake Mead is, it just has so much to offer crystal clear water rocks. It's got grass on the bank. It's got some trees. It's got dirty water stuff, but it's so big and so vast that you have to find a little something different and then run that all the way back to, you know, run that pattern all the way back to the ramp coming, coming back in. But, um, I would say in California, in the state of California, yes, Lake Shasta is probably the best pattern lake. I will never, ever say Clear Lake is the best pattern lake because it is definitely not <laughs> even Not even close. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's how, a community whole, yeah, community yeah. whole lake. How, uh, uh, Chris, how often do you catch yourself getting like, uh, like overthinking it, right? I mean, out west, we have to really dial things in like at a place like clear, like where, you know, oh, everything's community, you yeah. know, back East, do you, do you just get, so, try to get too dialed and, 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 you know, realize like, Oh, I just need to go throw a white spinner bait and cover so some water. I always use Aaron Martins as that example. And, and, uh, and man, Aaron, you'd like, 
Uh, Aaron's going through some tough times. He's dealing with, you know, tumors in his head and, and, uh, doctors got one of them. The other one's too deep to go after. Damn and he's going through chemo and stuff. And, and, uh, so shout out to Aaron and mm-hmm. his family. It's not, not looking good, but if anyone can pull it through, it's Aaron. Cause he is the strongest dude and the healthiest dude. Yeah. Uh, what he puts in his body is, is something like a, you know, a million dollar race horse would put over <laughs> in his body and, and um anyhow cayenne and peanut butter yeah <laughs> so you're saying i should have been dead a long time ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's a great example because he on tv when we look at him he's um he's so attention to detail he tweaks out on baits and if this bait doesn't have that pearl shine to it he believes in his mind that he's not going to get a bite that's the california side of him um, that's the, Ooh, I got to use Folkstead special instead of <laughs> three. Yeah. Well, the most anglers, 90% of anglers across the country, purple worm is a purple worm, but Aaron, I got to use Folkstead special instead of MM. his mind. That's that California thing. He will not get a bite unless it's got purple flake type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, but you see Aaron he spaz out sometimes cause you know, he'll get in an area or whatever and, and can't get him to bite and get so frustrated because he can't get him to bite because he's tried all his california tricks but in my experience <laughs> in my experience um fishing back east is more like the you know that i watched kvd growing up uh it's the kvd approach you you fish fast you find them fast the more casts you're making um the more feedback you're getting whether it's negative feedback or positive feedback positive feedback being fish catches negative you're not catching shit and you just (laughs) fish a bunch of different spots um the more casts you're making the more you're mixing it up the more feedback you get and the more you could apply that to the next spot or the next adjustment when you get caught up in like lure colors and like, oh, this beautiful, perfect presentation, there should be a fish on this beautiful looking spot. The lakes are so big. There are beautiful spots like all over these lakes. And it's more finding a, a pattern instead of presentation, color or or area or spot. So that's the long answer to your question that I already forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, that, that was perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that community hole clear like uh, that, uh, that you mentioned, uh, uh, Steve Erickson had a really, really epic year this year out there. Steve, yeah. what did, uh, what did you, what did you learn on that community hole uh, this year? That's going to take you into 2021 and, and you're going to win. Oh man. Yeah, no, I would say, so the one bass that we had in, at Clear Lake that got rescheduled is supposed to be in April. Um, one bass always has their, their California Open in April, which should be renamed the Wayne Brazil Open, <laughs> as long as it's in April. Uh, but this year, because of COVID, it got rescheduled and got put in, you know, the middle of July. And middle of July, I've spent probably the majority of my time there, so I, I was excited when that happened. Um Thank goodness for your birthday being in July, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, for the last 12 years, I've spent like two weeks there every July, essentially. Chris has been up there. Trey's come out. The first time I met Trey was when Chris brought her out there and brought, uh, I think, (laughs) you remember you picked up Anthony Lee's truck, and and then you went and got Jared's boat. (laughs) I did. I did. And then you smashed up up 680. I think you got a flat tire. (laughs) Yeah. Did I? 
Yeah, you, you got a flat tire, and you were. I, I remember you were you were super aggro on the phone. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, we'll just get up here. Yeah. And then you and you then took Anthony's it. truck, and you went through the fast track lane on Anthony's truck, so he ended up getting like ticket. two tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so I I remember this like vividly, but that that was like I think maybe the second time, first time I met Trader, maybe the second time. Um, but yeah. So to answer your question, Steve, Clear Lake in the summer is a community whole thing. And in that tournament, I knew where I wanted to fish. And, uh, you know, I, if I knew if I'd get a good boat draw, I'd be able to get there. And I got there and I got to sit on it with about 15 other guys. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and then the, the fall TOC was actually the complete opposite. Um, in October, I think it was October 24th, 25th, we had the Wild West team TOC, uh, and the bite was super tough. Uh, it could I basically could not get bit south of Monitor Island, and that's where I like to fish the most. Um, and I literally couldn't even get like a drop shot bite. Jeez. Um, so I just started fishing all the stuff that I normally fish mid and north, and you know bites were super super far and few between and when you'd get a bite it would generally be a good one um three to four pounds being good um and we ended up getting on a pattern on the north end just covering as much water as possible so at the same time of clear lake being a spot lake where you got to sit on henderson or shag or you know no name or the reef or you know dolly or any one of those spots around rattlesnake Every once in a while, I think in the fall, you know, it kind of throws you a curveball and you just got to cover water and just try to, to, you know, outfish all the other guys that are fishing the same water as you, um, keeping your head down. So make more it's casts. Weird. It's, kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of the, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Make more casts. But I mean, certain times of the year, the summer, the winter, the spring, I think you got to kind of be on those those known spots yeah Yeah. um but then the fall they kind of spread out a little bit more yeah i mean um there's not a lot of benefits from covid this year but i think uh you know seeing seeing lakes at different times of year was pretty cool right you would never normally have a big pro-am up at clear lake in july and uh yeah i think that's the first that's the first one in at least 12 years that i've seen there in the middle of july And, and you know they had the six hour rule but billy egan did a phenomenal job running, you know, a a very smooth event where things were spaced out. You know, obviously that was like another peak of the COVID bubble here in California. Um, And everybody, I feel like everybody felt like they were safe. Um, You know, it was, it all, it all ended up working out. And I, I think they ended up rescheduling it or scheduling it for 2021 in April. Um, Back to the Wayne Brazil Open, so I'm probably not going to fish it this year. <laughs> Dude, what what do you guys? Because to me, Clear Lake's always been like that place where the fish school up crazy, and once you catch one, you're going to just go to town on them. And that's never happened to me anywhere else, like except for that one time at Coyote. But like even like on Berryessa or you know all these other places, what do you think the deal is? Are those fish just they have a different? they roll different out there. They chase the hitch or why do you think they get all grouped up like that? 
where you can just show up and just blast a family of five pounders. Chris, you remember that first, um, I think you were there cause you, you, I think you won that June one bass or no, you did really well in that June one bass. Do you remember that? Yeah. Top 10 or top five. Um, skip in the Huddleston nope. buzzbait, buzzbait <laughs> frog. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, right. Yeah. Down in cash. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Down in cash. So the, the reason why I bring that up is because that spring specifically was the year that I saw him like wolf packing the hardest. Like you'd pull up to a dock, skip a Sanko or skip a, at that time it was a bass tricks. Yeah. Or Huddleston all the way back. And you'd see like, eight to 15 fish over five pounds following your bait back to the boat. And it's like, to Mario's question, like what makes those fish school up that way? I think in pre-spawn at Clear Lake, it's, it's easy to target like those areas. It's like the last long dock leading into a spawning flat where, you know, they're trying to group up, you know, feed, get ready for, um, you know, whatever they're going to do in the spawn. But at Clear Lake, it's to me, it's always been bait, pre-spawn um, uh, related, or shad related. So mm-hmm. if you think about yep. the hitch, shad, or uh, or spawning, it's one of those three things that will lead them into those big packs. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, you could go and hit every rock pile on the south end of the lake, and it'll be void of life. And then you pull up onto one, and it's loaded, right? Mm-hmm. And if you hit you know, three rock piles and there was nothing there and you think you're running a pattern, you would say, oh, well, they're not on rock piles today. And, uh, <laughs> I've, you know, I used to always approach clearly like, like uh, you know, fishing a, fishing patterns because a lot of other lakes are like that, but not, not clear lake for sure. And that's why so many guys win by just sitting on Henderson or yeah, sitting, you know, on, just sitting on Shag or whatever. Waiting for them to show up. Yeah, or they're there and they're not eating and eventually they will. Clear Lake's a cool lake because that it's, it's got forage, it's got the fish population. You know, the four to six pound fish population is ridiculous. They're always willing to bite, it seems like. But there's like natural current. It's a natural lake, so there's like these natural currents too that flow. I think a lot of those Hendersons and Shags and 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 you know, there's a lot of underwater current that most people don't really realize is there, and that I think helps them stack a little better too, where they could just hang out in one spot and let the food kind of travel around mm-hmm. them or run to them with the current. Um, that's, you know, those main spots, those main points like that, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think they're there because of food and current, you know, and, yeah. uh, dude, tell them, tell them about the, um, when we were in the Triton practicing for that FLW and you ripped that nine pounder on shag or just saw oh. shag. Remember that? And then I didn't even know what I then, Honestly, I didn't you're, know. I, I'll tell you, you, you were throwing a one a pointer 128 in Aurora Black, <laughs> and you were right in between uh, that Swedish house and the actual actual shag on that stretch where there's like a little out rock outcropping, mm-hmm. and then that just set off because I remember that was the first that was the first morning of practice. And that momentum that you got from that fish carried you on for the rest of the event because, Bates you know, you catch a big one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Mm. Those are the tell, days. Tell, tell us that, <laughs> that, that story. That tournament was incredible, too, because 
you got on that bait smith deal you pulled up and i remember i was fishing as a co and actually yep. i fished with barofka i drew jimmy reese and jason barofka in yep. that same event yeah and, and me and barofka were fishing uh, poison island there in what? in in Isn't plain on? sight yeah just the, the uh, soda bay island the one okay. we were coming in on right and we had a plain sight like a direct view of uh henderson and I remember being probably 60 boats on Henderson and seeing that blue and white stripe cutting in, pulling up to them, going right into the middle and making your cast, catching, oh, yeah. you know, two four-pounders and bouncing to it and doing that like five times. A all, yeah, all like the, uh, I think I had like five or six spots I'd go through on Clear Lake. You could, I mean, if you name one of your favorite spots on Clear Lake, I mean, that that, that was one of those six spots. And uh, I just rotate through them, but there was a shit ton of guys all over these spots for dragon jigs and dragon worms, like 25 feet off. This was like a uh, September, October, October. It was, it was holiday. No, dude, it was because remember you were leaving and I left. My girlfriend at the time oh, yeah. picked me up from San Francisco. <laughs> Damn. She drove all the way up there and picked me up so I can go to a costume party in uh, Marina. <laughs> over. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, there's all these boats. They're fishing, shaking from 22, 25, 30 feet of water. But they were, like, so far off the bank. Like, they couldn't even hit the bank with, with what, you know, the way they were set up. So I had my angles. I knew what my angles were. I knew where I was going to get those bites just by fishing that, that lake, you know, prior. And, and um, But the Batesmith swim bait, um, that was kind of new. Sig Taylor um who now lives back east i saw him the other day um uh, he, he won a tournament there with like the the spring before on that bait smith swim bait basically a mini huddle sin that looks like a, a hitch um mm-hmm. but i had some confidence in that in that um i was throwing on an eight foot lamaglass rod an 806 big bait special uh, dude just just so you know i rigged that rod up today for yeah. my trip next week <laughs> nice <laughs> that one um, you gave it to me 17 pound test, uh, P line fluoro, the blue box, um, old school Corrado. And, um, I remember just going in and like, just not caring. I mean, the lake's 20 freaking miles long. It's small. And I had a little fast Triton. So I just wanted to fish every spot. And, uh, and all those boats were, like I said, were back, back, back off. And, and like, you'd pull up to a Henderson or a shag and there'd be three, four guys like fishing around, but didn't know the cast. Yeah. I just bulldog my way in there, and, and uh, <laughs> after two, you know, after two or three days, I was leading the tournament, going on the final day, FLW tournament, and um, you know, I was catching 24, 26, 25. Back then, those were giant bags in the fall, and um, I ended up shitting the bed the last day. I think I only had whatever 13 pounds or whatever, but um, but the, again, again, it's all angles, angles, and confidence. And, um, and I don't care what, who's, who's around on a 20, 20, uh, 20 mile lake. It's, it's, uh, I know what cast I want to make and I'm fishing the exact same tournament as you. Yes, you were, you were there first, but it's a community hole. Obviously look at all the boats around. I'm going to make this cast and I'm not going to cast over your line. You're not going to cast over mine. I promise you. And watch me both flip the six <laughs> chris and i fished a team tournament like uh the month after he almost won that tournament and we fished out of yeah. his boat and he was, was so pumped up and i remember was, i was riding in that triton 
And by the yeah. time we got to the first spot, which I believe was Frazier, and it was rough in the morning, that boat hauled ass. And, dude, my biceps were sore from holding on so tight. Like, I thought I <laughs> tore a bicep that morning. Oh, man, we were jumping, like, three wakes at a time. It was awesome. That boat was fast, man. That boat was super fast, dude. Nine and a half foot Triton. It was 200. And you won. that You won at Clear Lake. Yep, yep, yep. That was a fast boat, man. That was that was pretty amazing. So, so I I don't be uh, I don't mean to be uh, you know shifted into a negative mode, but uh, you said you know on the last day you shit the bed with only thirteen pounds. You threw a swim bait that whole tournament, and uh, you know tell us what you've learned about you know closing out those three or four day tournaments because you know what last year two years ago you had three three second place finishes. I mean, how hard is that? I mean, you know, you get on a great bite and you exploit it for a couple of days and the conditions change, the fish move. Like, I mean, that's got to be extremely hard. We don't have a lot of those type of tournaments out here, but uh, I, I know always... everybody says, you know, when it happens, it, it's meant to happen. But, you know, there's got to be, you know, uh, some type of skill set to be able to, you know, prolong your, your, your success in those longer tournaments. Yeah, that's the thing is I, I swim bait fishing is like, I, I'm going to roll with it. Like think about the classic two years ago, the classic, I, you know, I had a chance to win it and yeah. I got the swim bait in my hand the whole time. Yeah. Swim bait fishing is different, but dude, it's so hard to make a swim bait bite happen four days in a row. It's hard to make a swim bite happen for eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Always changing, like always freaking changing. So um, to make it happen two days and, and, you know, make, you know, make the top 50 cut or 40 cut, whatever it is. And then that, that's, that's a bonus, um, to make it three days and be in contention to win or be in the, or in first or in second place I've been in many, many times and not, not close out. I mean, that, that is huge. But then on the final day, there's all, it's like the conditions are different. The same spots have been hammered. Um, so you really have to dig down and adapt and actually think about what the fish are doing. So, um, that's like one of the hardest things in fishing is, okay, so I got here because I was doing this, the, these angles, this badass swim bait, there's boats around, you know, I'm catching fish, uh, other people aren't. Um, so that's the hardest thing in fishing is, is giving that plan a up and going to plan B, C or, 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 you know, F even or Damn. Z, <laughs> eight hours to figure that out, and and um, and the pressure used to get to me. Like I used to feel a lot of pressure, but now it's just like I like I said, I'm going on my ninth season. It's like, yeah, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But you got to do everything you can to put yourself in in that in that in that position or in contention. Those three second place finishes two years ago. I think I, every single time, like the the guy who won it just simply had a phenomenal yeah, day and yeah. Paul Miller, Carl Jockinson. Um, you never lost, you never lost yeah, a tournament. Yeah. You got beat. I've had tournaments where I, are, you know, I just go down in flames and I, and you could yeah. feel it. You just feel that weight on your shoulders and it, and it happens. But those, th those three tournaments, like I was convinced like, Oh dude, I, I may have done it, you know? And, and, um, and it's, it's really weird how that all works out. But, um, biggest thing i've learned is just in a four-day tournament is is especially on that fourth day really dig deep 
not really forget about what you're doing on the first, you know, three days, but just think about why the fish are there or, you know, where they went or, or how the weather's affecting them or how the lack of pressure is affecting them, how boat traffic's affecting them. You really have to just stop and, and think about, you know, what the fish are doing because that's what we're here for. We're out here eight hours on this final day to just collect five fish, five of the heaviest fish of the day. Like Gunnersville was that up. Dude, yeah, but in your defense, man, like, like you, you never had a break that, that went your way, right? You had you, you had dude at Lanier catches a five-pound spot, right? And then, uh, you know, you have a guy catches giant weight at Gunnersville first thing in the morning on a topwater, like, out of the blue. And then, um, you know, even Carl catching those, those big ones first thing in the morning at, at 10 Killer. It's like... Uh, yep. You know, you didn't have you didn't have any of those those special things to go your way on on a day four. It hasn't happened for you yet. You know, nope. um, that's tough. That's hard. Like, there's nothing oh, you yeah. can do to, to to combat that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, don't, I... no, there's nothing you can do, right? You did your job, and you just didn't get that that big bite like those guys did. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta. I think. Up. I think there's a big difference between somebody who I don't want to say gets lucky, but somebody who is going to stick around, maybe get one or two wins in their career versus somebody who is always scratching and clawing to get to the top. I mean, think about Phil Mickelson. How long did it take Phil Mickelson to win a major? You guys golf fans out there, I'm sure there's a lot of, golf fan listeners <laughs> you lost me yeah i don't know how long <laughs> guys, how long guys, how long did it take you guys think about it he was he was number two to tiger woods for probably seven to eight years before he won a major and then as soon as he won his first major it was like pulling the finger out of the dam Shoot. and i feel like there's a big difference between i don't want to call them the one hit wonders but the you know the wins here one one win here and you know a couple top tens here and there versus the guys that are consistently in the top 10 that haven't gotten, you know, a, a top win yet. Right. All it's going to take is one and that finger is going to come out of the dam and better watch gonna out. Be huh? growth, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Because be D-O-T, baby. D-O-T. There's a clear distinct difference between somebody who wins first year on tour, who just came out of college, you know, serious fishing and hadn't competed against any real, notable competitors and gets a win right versus somebody who's like been Derek doing it for Remitz. seven eight <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> uh but uh there, there's a big difference between the two so i think it from my perspective the way that i view it is that finger's in the dam and as soon as that finger comes out of the dam you better watch out my finger's coming out of something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? don't smell it. Don't smell yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which one are you looking forward to this this year, Chris, on your schedule? The um, most. The What's the one? The most. Uh, well, I mean, the classic, obviously. The classic. Classic Which is, they just uh, moved, Yeah, they right? just rescheduled it, right? Summertime classic. As the crow flies, it's like 33 miles from my house. It'll it's, take me about... 50 minutes to get there. Is it more. better for you in, in the summer? Do you think? So in my opinion, it went from a swim bait bite to a 
and that's that that's that's it i mean i i was convinced i could i could i could i could hang um i it's not i'm not really really familiar with it but i'm familiar enough to know um that an eight inch mag draft would have played in march um and that's I where had, you won your truck right had, yeah yeah i won a truck there in a toyota uh, texas event there um but now it's in june um and over the last like three years i've had like a lot of success um in in the month of june and if i'm not frogging in june or punching um i'm throwing a spoon and and there's something about that hot that warming hot water and and um texas fish you know or tennessee river fish that matter of fact i've got a spoon in my hand right now (laughs) same spoon it's it's the same spoon i've been catching them on um it's a japanese spoon it's a daiwa daiwa spoon and and um and this one's like a different color but i like just a chrome color this one's a different color and i'm actually like here's my drill and i'm like and uh i've got a, a wire brush on it and i'm taking the paint off of it to get it ready for the class for a classic tournament but nice parts of june it, it's just basically the fish are going to be off the bank and i still want to feed them something big because three-day classic you, you need um you know you need those six seven eight pound texas size fish so mm-hmm. um but other than the classic that's that's kind of a given it's going to be a big event here in fort worth um i'm gonna say i'm looking forward to one that they switched because march is is primo swim bait time and i whenever i'm on the tennessee river in march it it's swim bait fishing um the, the classic a couple years ago and on fort loud and teleco in, in tennessee the tennessee river um i have like one of the biggest ba- i think it was the biggest bag in of the classic on a six inch mag draft in march and uh and so lake pickwick is what they they moved um from june to march and uh that's going to be a ridiculous one so <clears throat> they say you could catch like 20 to 30 pounds of smallmouth on a six inch mag draft there wow. going down i was so, so bummed that that they didn't have the camera on you during the classic that day that you whacked them uh that would have been yeah cool watch. You, you whacked them the other day too that was at grand lake when me and my brother were watching you i think you had the second biggest bag of the event in that one or maybe the first one remember that on grand on grand was it grand yeah it was grand no, or gunnersville gunnersville maybe mm. no no it was grand because remember boy duckett kept driving back and forth in front of us was it gunnersville no, i don't think it was maybe it was gunnersville Anyways. I think it was grand. You, you, it was like eight. You had like eighteen pounds or something, but it was the it was the heaviest bag of the, the second day. I think it was Gunnersville. Okay, maybe it's Gunnersville. I don't know. I, um, <laughs> not if it's not twenty plus pounds on a swimmer. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah, <remember>. yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, when you like, obviously, there's times to pick it up and not pick it up while on tour, which is 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 you know a, a gutsy call and 99 percent of guys want to do it but is it mostly on the lakes that like the tennessee river lakes the texas yeah. the lakes that have gizzard chad like what are you looking for uh, to where you'll at least pick it up and in, in practice that have a good population of five plus pounders is, is where so it know. doesn't even necessarily matter the forge just as long as there's no the size just of fish. As long, 
big ones. If it's yeah. known for big ones, then they will eat that thing. I mean, they will eat it. And it's, I mean, they don't have to have big gizzards. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, that thing could be a baby carp. It could be a baby mm-hmm. bass. It could be, um, it's just as long as it looks real and the angle is right, um, the, the bite of eight inch swimmer. Um, but, um, yeah, the Tennessee River, that's, that's just, you always, you know, Van Dam talks about all those guys from, from out here. Um, that, that really is, the fish are just different. They're always chasing something. The Tennessee River is all about shad, 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 shad. They're always chasing white shad. Hmm. And, uh, it's spooning, swim baiting, 10 X, you know, big crankbait, 10 XDs, uh, big giant jerk baits, Edo shiners, that type of thing. That that's all fun man. super fun. Big spooks on top. Good stuff. Chris, I don't, I don't want to uh, throw a wrench in this and totally change the direction of where you're going, but <laughs> I feel like when the schedule sets up with a strong Northern presence, like you do, really really well in those northern waters drop shot spinning reel big small mouth you know big michigan water um can you give us like a little a little i don't know taste and and what inspires you when you guys go up north and and how you approach those those northern trips because i've been lucky enough to do one of those trips with you at lake ontario and, and watching you just dial it down with that 360 and you know a drop shot in your hand it's just that to me is like something that every fisherman needs to experience once in their life because it's just so different than what we do and just so incredible so start of this podcast anderson dude it's it's (laughs) where i learned you know it's where i worked on those those light line techniques you know nowadays it's 15 pound uh, smackdown braid and, and um you know like an eight or six pound gold label leader, um, or even, you know, straight Tatsu. But like back then it was, it was, um, <laughs> you know, Yozuri hybrid. Six pound <laughs> Yozuri Dude, hybrid I, I still use Yozuri Yeah, I still hybrid. got that in the boat. Don't, yeah. Hey, don't joke around. I'm trying to ball on a budget it's over It's here. right next to my big game. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. But, but uh, the point is, it's just, it's all light line stuff and, and had, had to take a worm on a point and get the fish to come to the worm and not really bring, you know, bring like crankbait or spinnerbait fish and bring the bait to the fish. You're, you're shaking it and waiting for not moving the weight. And you're waiting for that fish that, that uh, you're hoping is in like a 10 foot radius of where that, that drop shot landed and you're shaking it and not moving the weight. And you're just trying to coax that, that big smallmouth or that, that little Anderson two pounder to swim over and bite that that fake floating worm because it looks natural and that that's all it is that anderson fishing on in in november december down there 35 feet of water off some of those those underwater bluffs and long points and stuff like that um clearer than normal water that that's all it is it's it's the oroville it's the shasta but going out there the biggest thing i could say about smallmouth fishing and, and if you ever have experienced it i highly recommend it um, it's all like just little high spots or points or, or, you know, the end of a saddle, smallmouth are like those spots up at Oroville or Shasta where they like to be able to see 360 degrees around the spot they're on. So mm. 
um, instead of, uh, you know, fishing bluff walls or something just because it looks good. I like fishing offshore smallmouth spots because they could have the current, the wind can change directions. And, and we're talking about the Great Lakes here. We're talking about, you know, it looks like you're idling out a half moon bay going in the Pacific. <laughs> it, you can't not you, you cannot see the other side of the lake. So when the wind changes directions, you get current, you know, underwater currents, like I was talking about at Clear Lake, and that, that sets up food. Um, but smallmouth just like high spots out in the middle of nowhere. So when you find those on a map and find out what those look like or long points, they like to be able to see 360 degrees around that because they want, they want to know where that food's coming from, and they smoke it when they do. Um, not only that, but they move a lot, just like those spots up there at Shasta or Oroville. They, they, they move so much. So um, I always like to select areas or spots that a fish can move in and off of and on, on, off, you know, quickly. Yeah. And there's spots and like, you know, long points with a little rock pile on it or a little high spot on it like that. That's the deal. So, um, but yeah, if you ever get a chance, man, New York, anytime, New York from June, July, August, that is, that's the deal. Wisconsin, Minnesota, all that stuff, man. It's, it's, it's unlike anything California has to offer. And, and I know Erickson, you could attest to that. This trip oh, we God. had. That was incredible, dude. Yeah. I remember you won the AOY championship. Was that it? Sturgeon. That was in Green Bay, right? Sturgeon yeah, Bay? Wisconsin, yeah. We went up there, and me and David flew out. We took like three puddle jumpers to get there in, in yeah. time, and and we landed, and we got cell phone reception, and and we didn't know if you had won or not. And as soon as we landed, uh, we refreshed the the browser, and we saw that you won. And then you picked us up like thirty minutes later. For the <laughs> so cool. That, that was that was incredible, dude. And went to a little. Uh, what's that? And we went to a little pub, straight to a little pub and had some beer. Oh yeah! Did you guys celebrate? Steak. Oh yeah! Since they didn't give Chris a trophy. Oh dude, it was incredible. And then, dude, we we were catching four or five pound smallmouth on a three quarter ounce spinner bait and a flipping stick and twenty pound line. <laughs> Damn! Yeah. so much fun. That's cool. Yeah, that that was fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. On that same. Number... Oh, go ahead, Steve. No, I was going to say we were fishing in like, you know, whenever you're fishing big water, big water to us is Clear Lake, sometimes Berryessa, the Delta, when your trolling motor's popping out of the water, right? You can't, <laughs> you can't stand straight, right? That's, that's like the norm up there, right? We were catching those fish and Chris was holding onto the trolling motor. Me and David yeah. were making like 300 yard casts or 100 yard casts off the back of the boat and just burning the spinnerbait. Yeah, I remember seeing the pictures. That that looked fun. Dave had a shit-eating oh, grin on his face. <laughs> I knew it was good. Yeah, David, like that. David even caught him. <laughs> was that supposed to be? Shout out Dave Meza. I, I, I pulled up to the bait shop the other day, Chris, and he was bent over in the rain doing something on his boat because he keeps it there. Yeah. And I, I slammed on my horn as loud as I could, and he, he about fell over. It was awesome. Is that his Triton that's there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Oh, is he still right there? Yeah, he's, he's right next to Darren's boat. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's yeah. cool. Full circle. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah, full dude, circle. Yeah, dude, it's exact same exact same pattern as your other your Triton. You haven't seen his, his No, boat, no, I have Chris? Yeah, same colors and everything. It's weird. When I was looking inside of it, I'm like, wow, this is, I mean, it just felt like your boat. 
That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on those same light line, like uh, I always love watching in a tournament when you when you're finesse fishing, just because like I know when you get dialed in to to every little detail, you're going to to outfish like everybody yeah. else, right? I, I just know, but I, I I I always think about how you were catching them at Lanier, and I. <laughs> I ask Steve about it all the time because I, I trip off of how you were fishing that spark shad and like almost reeling it as slow as you'd reel a Huddleston on the bottom because, yep. you know, I fish for spotted bass a lot. And I'm like, man, like how can I how can I fish that thing like that? And it takes so much patience. But, I mean, you were basically pulling suspended fish that were like on the side of a point yep. with, with that, right? Like you weren't letting it yep. sink to the bottom you were using your electronics to see those suspended fish and then reeling it so slow with the right amount of weight uh, that, that they just, they, they couldn't not eat it. Right. It was basically, yeah, they were, you know, how spotted bass are on the, you know, pit river arm of shafts or whatever. There's just trees everywhere. They like to suspend. It was super, super cold. It's February in Georgia. Uh, I finished second to Paul Mueller. This was a couple of years ago, but I was catching all of them on a spark shed, super deep, like 45, and uh, I was casting at like 60, sometimes 70, Holy. but like, yeah, a three eighth ounce ball head on a sp- three inch spark shad and, and uh 15 braid to, to eight pound leader. Like it was takes, that, takes sorry, forever. Chris, was that, yeah. was that an Okashira head or was that a round, no, a round, ball head. Around? Ball head was yeah. it? The, the one I'm using now is a sand tone. It's legit, dude. I, I designed it for them at the, sand tone head it's just a ball head with like a like it's got it's real chin heavy but it falls super nice and um um but yeah it takes forever to let that thing sink down to you know 45 50 60 i was kind of letting it sink down to about 35 or so and the water's so clear and, and what i said about those big spots and smallmouth like to be able to see 360 degrees around in my opinion the biggest spots in, in a in a spot lake live with inside of the dam because that's your deepest, biggest, clearest water. That's where your trout always hang out. Um, that's where, you know, in Georgia, they got trout there on Lake Lanier. Big spots chase those trout. Uh, big spots chase those blueback herring. But the clearer the water, the bigger the spot, in my opinion. Down by the dam is the best way to, to, to look for that. Um, but uh, Well, and you have Mario because they're usually pulling Mario. water. What's that? Oh, there's usually some current because they're pulling water oh, out yeah, of the dam, yeah. right? And the well, fish set up good. I just deeper, clearer water, and I was just fishing um, offshore drop-offs that went from like 40 feet to like 65, 70, and there were some trees mixed in. But you have to develop a feel for that swim bait and let it pendulum swing down and then know when to start your slow retrieve. Basically, I was pulling fish out of, out of uh, like 45 to 55 that were suspended over 70. Mm-hmm. And whenever my swim bait would make contact on the bottom in like 43 feet of water, that's when they'd bite it. So essentially that's they so were cool. out. Yeah, they were out, out suspended. And they were like feeding up in like 43 to 30, you know, 35 to 43. They were like following it up. And as soon as it kind of made contact with that bottom, just like Mario was doing with that Huddleston, um, they ate it up. So yeah. that's another point. Reminds me of a, a tournament you almost won at Shasta. I wonder, I wonder uh, where you got that idea about fishing around, yeah. around the day. <laughs> oh yeah, yep. the, he he's always liked to fish around dams. 
I love it, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, McClure, all that stuff around McClure by the dam. Is yeah. Deep, deep. Yeah, yeah. So, Mario, you're leaving in the morning. Um, I don't know. I might, I might leave in the afternoon. I'm going to caravan with, uh, Mark Gomez and Juan Acosta. Nice. So looking forward to when that. When does practice start? Wednesday? Um, Tuesday. The tournament starts on oh, Thursday. It's Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, nice. What derby is it? Oh, Wild West. Oh, nice. Yeah. At Shasta. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm pretty Are you stoked. Off? Oh. What's up? Are you off limits for info? Um. Yeah, this is public knowledge though, so this is gonna go up right after. <laughs> but um. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, gonna, Chris almost won it. Just you'll, to you'll catch the same week. <laughs> you'll catch me out there. You'll catch me out there throwing a plopper. So pretty dialed uh, in right now. <laughs> wait, wait, Chris. Remember that house we got? We got up there with uh with yep. Kennewick and uh yep. and Crom. Yep. So Mario, I think your buddy Ryan Diotti. Yeah. He got the same he house. Posted a picture. Yeah, he posted a picture of that house, and I, I responded on his uh, Instagram story because remember, Chris, we were sitting in front of there, and you were baking dart heads in the oven. Yeah. And everybody was looking at you, and you're like, "What are you doing, man?" And you were leaving after the first day, and we we're all looking at each other, going like, "Oh shit, we didn't, we didn't pack our dart heads." Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man. I wish I was going up to Shasta to fish tournament this week. I love it this time of year. Oh, nothing beats Shasta this time of year. Yeah. Yep. Snow I agree. and big boots. Except for the fact that it's been like 68 degrees there every day for the last two weeks. Yeah. Has it really? It's supposed to be 75 well, on in, Friday. In California in general. Yeah. Yeah, we're screwed if we don't get any rain. That's for sure. Well, that There's all... no rain in the forecast for the next... Uh, 14 days that's cool with me dude as long as as long as i'm comfortable i can fish good because <laughs> i fished it last year in the teams i couldn't even feel my toes yeah i yeah. had icicle boogers coming out it was yeah. <laughs> it was a bad deal yeah. dude that's not fun at all no man yeah it's driving just... driving across the lake when it's like almost snowing but it's still rain and yeah it's not fun yeah that's the yeah. most important thing to me is like being physically comfortable even though the bite's tough you know it's just i'm taking what the day's gonna give me and i could always squeak something out anyways did you go out and buy yourself a fly rod no i didn't oh well (laughs) did you hear that chris what's that the guys who won the wild west team tournament last week at shasta the coat the the guy in the back of the boat or maybe he was in the front of the boat i don't know but he was uh fly fishing the whole time no way yeah, he won it on like a actually, fly rod. Like fly rod casting or like float and fly? Yeah. No, no, not a float and fly. Like a fly rod. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, what, I think, what, they have like 14 pounds or yeah, something? Yeah, 14. It's kind of controversial right now because it doesn't state in the rules that you can use it because it says, you know, it gives you the list of, you know, the reels types of reels you can use and then you know fly reels not on there but they never said you can't use it so some guys are trying to make a big stink about it oh, but it's just like on. dude you whooped your ass on I a fly they, rod relax yeah, yeah. I, they should give them two trophies <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's really impressive um yeah that's pretty weak to go after somebody like that 
Yeah, the year of the fly. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to chuck that float and fly out there, but you know, the only the only thing for me is like everybody's gonna be doing it, and maybe they want to see something different. But you know, I'm just pretty popular, pretty popular up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but then, but then too, you you mentioned earlier you got to give the fish what they want so i'm not gonna completely put it on the back burner but yeah neopis was on uh kent's show yesterday morning oh yeah he's not gonna be throwing a fly (laughs) (laughs) no shoot yeah you know i i think the foam fly works really good when it's when it's really cold and it just hasn't got got that cold you know and uh uh, the water's still warm, I think, up there, and so it can be anybody's game. I mean, the weights weren't that great last week, uh, yeah. so I don't think they're in their full winter mode really yet. Yeah, I, I feel like Go this. Throw a whopper, plopper, <laughs> yeah, well, you might be, catch, you might be surprised. Catch me out there plopping. I think this is the tournament where I have the best chance to do really well because you know, just the way it's any man's game, you know with the caliber of fish that are in there and you know 10 11 pounds is good bag and you know did you pre-practice in my head (laughs) but like the other the other tournaments that are coming up clear like in the delta you know those are gonna be some fucking dog fights for me man so like let's talk general here erickson like uh the pattern fishing um yeah like I say this all the time in some seminars, but like pattern fishing is as easy as like a fourth grade game of like matching shapes, like the square. <laughs> peg goes, I'm serious. Like the square peg goes in the square hole. The round peg goes in the round hole. It's like all about matching shapes. You catch a three pound spotted bass on a point that looks, you know, kind of like a, wiener or a, a, <laughs> then you own fish points underwater points that look like a wiener or a thumb or a high spot or like a donut or what it's like matching shapes and it is so freaking accurate that pattern yep. fishing like just shape matching or like the, the shape of the creek arm and it's got you know let's say you catch a three and a half pound fish on a shade line on the north bank and it looks like a, you know, the creek arm looks like a star or something like that. And you don't really only fish those. And there's, you know, there's your pattern. Yeah. But like, it's hard to do when, you know, you, and Shasta can be tough and three pounders can be hard to come by. But, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to do when you're not getting a lot of clues and you're only, the only clues you're getting are pound and a half and pound 1.6 spot you the know. cookie cutters you, you want to you so, yeah, hear it. yeah so my biggest sorry hold on no steve, go to that question steve or to uh to chris i've got two thoughts to that question the first one is um do you think that that's why west coast anglers typically can go back east like the if you, you think about the top guys on both tours a lot of them are west coast guys right so the west coast guys are used to fishing certain spots call it and then once they get into that more pattern recognition type of atmosphere it's easier for them to pick up so question one is do you think that they do well because they're not used to it but then they go back east and they're like oh shit this is actually easier than trying to go 85 miles an hour to 
be the first vote on Henderson or Shag. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's the first question. Then the second question is, um, do you think that when you're in those, I'm dropping down and catching a 140 on every drop on this point, do you leave that because that's all that's there? Or are you in the mindset of, I just got to pick through the little ones to get to the big one? Because I've found myself at Shasta been like, okay, I got to pick through all of these and find a good one or no, the good one's going to be the first one that eats. And yeah. if it doesn't eat in your first few casts, move on. Or, or, or the, or the active ones are going to eat first and you're going to call get through those in the big one. It's like a really good question. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know the question. And honestly, I'd love to hear your answer. So if you could prioritize the answer in the second question over the first one, <laughs> First one, yeah. The first answer to the first question is is yeah. I think the West Coast anglers they they pick up pattern fishing quicker because it's new, it's fresh, and that's what pattern fishing is all about: is fishing new, fresh water and finding new fit that day. Um, the answer to the second question, dude. Spots are, are you're you're looking for that that uh, the the one man wolf pack. You you really are. <laughs> You're, dude, you're looking for the giants, man. Those big rogue, those, those spots are rogue fish, man. They, 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 when they want to eat, they'll pull up the, any damn rock point or any long sloping point and just feed, feed on trout, feed on smaller spots, just feed on whatever and just keep on swimming. That's the thing about spots, those big spots, dude. They suspend a lot, they move a lot, they swim a lot. So you got to try to, that's why you see like you know Dobbins. He 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 dominated spotted bass fisheries out a long time. He's a power fisherman, jerk baits, spinner baits. Um, if he had to slow down, he'd throw a jig or a tube and like really work it kind of fast. But um, uh, the more cat again, the more cast you make, the more feedback you're getting, the more opportunities you're placing it in front of one of those rogue fish. Really play the conditions, the wind. It's, it's all about wind. The uh, spotted bass. They, Spots, big spots use wind to their advantage, man. It, it's, it breaks up the light penetration. They're more in that clear water. They're more, um, they're more willing to come up shallow and crash on 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 a jerk bait or on a spinner bait or even a worm. Wind and current, huh? Yeah, dude. Wind and current. That, that's it's everything. And wind creates. So, current. so, but so you, you're dropping down. You're catching 1.4s, 1.5s. Get the freak out of there dude yeah, Get yeah. so that. your 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 point about like uh what you did at uh lanier how you found those you're catching like a good one was like a three and a half right yeah uh yeah four four fours and a, and a big one so were those fours together or were they all isolated because i feel like you didn't move too much in that event right so they weren't schooled up at all. It wasn't like every drop type of thing. And there were, I had spots like that. So just like at Shasta, I, had, I did have spots where I could go and catch one and a half pounders. But the big ones were biting on the same spots or same area, um, but like a different cast or different angle. So I was having to change up angles. Um, and it was like you make – you know, you make that cast several times and then nothing, then change up the angle just a little bit, same spot, and then boom, there's that big one. It bites, um, four pounder or so. Yeah, I I, yeah, I agree but, with what you you're saying. But Shasta too, yeah. though, like 
I did really well there. I took, I think, second place to Ayler of one January, and, and, a, and that was a long time ago. But um, I had, like, an area that had, like, three specific rock piles, you know, mm-hmm. on it and able to rotate through those, um, uh, you know, deeper ones, like 35 or, or so, 30, 35, I think, um, 28, 30, something like that. I forget. Um, but uh, yeah, just spots are so opportunistic man you really have to keep it fresh yeah i i, I would would chris goes when he was talking about um uh the patterns mario um you know it, it, it he's totally right like it, they could be all on the same type of point sometimes i'll they'll, they'll be on the sides of the point you know and, and it'll be like little little things that'll be the pattern uh, but I agree with with those with those bigger ones. It seems like you'll get that rogue three to five pounder. It'll be a single fish that moves up on a point and feeds, and you just are there at the right time to catch it. Or or those fish are, are not eating what those one and a half or two pounders are eating, and you have to throw you know a swim bait or a big jerk bait to entice them with what they're chasing. Right? I mean, I've seen wolf packs of three to five pound spots that are all suspended and they're all they're doing is looking up and looking at trout right mm-hmm. they're suspended on a point and they're not going to eat your drop shot on that point they're not going <laughs> to eat your cinco on a point like they're they're keyed in on a certain thing and when they get keyed in on on those those trout like that's that's what you got to do and when they're keyed in on suspended bait when it's really cold that's why that that float fly works really well nice you know too you know a crazy shasta story is uh one time chris and i fished a bass open up there and um we practiced together and then on the first day of the tournament we drew each other and <laughs> oh, I, think, yeah. I think there's rules against that now but mm. so <laughs> i was thinking god dang dang it i got this I got Chris in the back and he's going to outfish me from the back of the boat. He knows exactly what I'm throwing, exactly what I'm doing. And this is when we well, first started fishing the Nico rig back talk- in like 2004, right? I mean, it just... Well, we talk- Steve shaking worm? Yeah. No, we were both throwing a swamp crawler, I remember. And they were on the sides of points and we... That's called a... That's technically called a Bass Pro um, finesse worm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's called the club worm. It, 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 oh, yeah. That's what Gilroy Bass calls it, the club worm. Uh, is that the one what? Is that the one Howard Hughes one? Uh it was. It was. And and uh who who put <laughs> Where were we staying at his We were staying at his house and you gave him the worms that he won that's on, right. remember that? And you that's... drew him the last day that's... that he won. Yeah. The man's worm? Yeah, the yeah. the mat the dragon worm. God, I have dragon so worm. many of those still, and I never can get bit on them. But but anyway, so I draw Chris, and and all day I don't even think we talked to each other. Right, I was like so <laughs> like I can't let him beat me from the back of the boat. And we weighed. Listen, listen. So in practice, we, we, there was this wall, and I think I caught like a three pound spot on it. And I remember we ended the day on it, and uh, and Chris makes like the like it was like the second to last cast of the day. I'm like, all right, we got to go. 
and he casts and he's like, I got one, I got one. It's a big one. And it's peeling drag like crazy. Like, dude, like like big spot dust. Just dig and dig and dig and it comes up. And I'm not joking. It's like an eight pound trout. It's huge. The biggest <laughs> trout I've ever seen. And he grabs it. He's so mad. He grabs it with two hands and he throws it like a football, like so far in the air. And we both weighed the exact weight that day. I think we both had like 6.1 pounds or something. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was probably the last pro I ever Dude. fished at that at, at Shasta. But you know, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> thank, awesome. I thank, remember that. Yeah, thank God this is all being recorded because, I mean, you guys dropped some knowledge, and right now all I'm going to remember is fish points that look like wieners. <laughs> <laughs> you have dr- dreams of uh, yeah, big old oh. veiny triumphant suckers. Yeah, so when you win, you got to go up on stage, and they're going to ask, you know, what you were keying in on. Oh, God. <laughs> The thicker, Johnny Sins. The, the thicker the better. Yeah, more, um, more of the chode looking points. Probably chodish. Chodes. Yeah, yeah. Short and chode. Chubby. Chode with a saddle. Chode with the saddle. The saddle. Yeah, don't forget about the saddle. The old Chris Elman special. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we could. This could go on and on and on with so many stories. Yeah, Chris. So why, so why don't you? Why don't you make a promise to us? All, all three of us on here and all the listeners uh, about when are you going to come back to California and do a Clear Lake trip with uh, with us four and anybody else who wants to come. Oh, man. Yeah, that's... Um, <laughs> if I go back to California fishing, it's going to be free for it. It's not, not anything else. Um, I still have some family there. My dad and I got a couple brothers that live there um, in San Jose, so... Um, but if I come back, I either, I really want to see what the Delta is like these days. I heard it sucks. But no, you don't. You no, don't. you don't. You don't. Fly right over come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> then clear Lake. clear Lake. Let's absolutely do clear Lake. And not like a two or three day deal. Let's, I mean, let's do oh, four yeah. to five days, maybe a couple of days if, if, if possible. We can get Steve's bachelor party house and barbecue a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many guys did their bachelor party at Clear Lake? That's, the, that's how you know. That's the move right there. Yeah. Steve has some good mojo on that. Steve, I totally forgot one of the best Mario stories. What did I do? Oh, when I when I clued you guys in, you were an uh, hour late to your fucking way in. <laughs> the, the best day I've ever oh. had in a tournament. And, and Steve and I, at the end of the day, are pulling into the Keys, and I catch a seven on an A-rig, and all of a sudden, here comes Mario looking at us, and he's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, we're like, what do you mean, what are we doing? He goes, aren't you guys supposed to wait in already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sucked. That was, was like, we we had like 32 pounds, 33-1, so technically we went to one, which makes the blow a little bit softer, but... We worked hard for those fish, man. We showed up 15 minutes late. So, Steve, I don't know. I, I, so I've journaled everything that I've done this year, and the time that it takes to get from the Keys to the casino. What would your guess be, Chris? In a bass cat, in a cougar, flat. Keys to the casino, flat, calm. Cougar, four stroke. About uh, ten minutes. Yeah, it was Eight? like 10 or, yeah, nine minutes maybe. Yeah. So when you come out yeah. of there thinking it's going to only take me nine minutes, you're going to be late. What do you think, Steve? Uh, I said 10. 
10. What do you think, Mario? What was the question? Wiener point? <laughs> the, 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 the time that it takes to get from the keys no, to the um, casino. Idling from the back of the keys. So holy the shit. Idle, idle idling, out. damn. Yeah. You're, talking, you're looking you like 20 minutes? Five mile an hour. 16 minutes damn. from from uh, the idle in the back. Mm-hmm. All the way up to the buoys. And then you hit it. And as long as you're not going through anything bad, 16 minutes is what it, it takes. I've timed it twice. Damn. I'm impressed that you've What's timed that? it twice. <laughs> well, so it was, it's it a was, bass cat yeah. guy owner thing. Uh, I, I, just, I, I, I only touch the keys when they go to clear light. I've been trying to figure out why my my uh, hummingbirds, when it, when it, I have them on Pacific Standard Time, they don't read the correct time on them. I had to put it on like Alaska time to get the right time yesterday. Oh, dude, that was the worst. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah, you were so, we, so, when we rolled up on you guys, um, Erickson, you were all stoked. You just popped a, like a six on a. No, I I just oh, caught dude, a seven yeah, and someone, we called the two. Steve yeah, did. Steve caught a seven on an A rig and our smallest fish was five pounds yeah. it was two pounds but then steve caught a seven on an a rig and we're idling out and it was the night the night before was daylight savings time yeah. it was march yeah. so we we, uh, we lost that hour yeah uh, and we're idling out and i looked at steve and he looked at me and he goes how could you do this oh dude i i thought i i, th- dude, I may have been I crying do i don't purpose, know man. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I must have rolled up right after the fucking butt slap and high five because you guys oh, were jacked, man. and I was like, um, I had to do this to you, but... We, we we sat in one spot all day, and, and Steve whacked him on, on a swim bait and... and, and uh, An LV. Yeah, we we had a really good morning, and then we decided to, to run all the way down there, and really, I think we probably needed to weigh in like when we made that run, so we ran all the way down there, and guys were probably already weighing in. Yeah, that was uh, that was too bad. We still took pictures with the fish, though. And, uh, I remember, I just remember pulling into the keys and like there was like nobody there. Or Tommy was waiting there and he looks at us and he says something like, "Ah, you guys are DQ'd." Duh. Yeah, because yeah, because we pulled up and we started on the same spot as Tommy. Yeah. And Tommy was fishing by himself, and then we didn't see him. Yeah, that was that was a bad bad deal. So. Set your clocks. I turned my cell phone on silent because I didn't want to be bugged, right? Do you have yeah, a compressor in this garage, Mario? Or is that your water heater? Yeah, it's the tankless water heater, bro. That's how uh, we roll out here. Uh, Luxury homes, baby. Yeah, got it, got it. I'll have to shoot that thing. <laughs> Can you guys hear that? Oh, they're going to hear it. No. It's the, really. the mics are picking are gonna pick it up. Chris I think Chris fell asleep. Yeah, like I know, man. Texas right now. Dude, we got we just set the podcast record for for my little deal here. Well, yep. So what's up, boys? I, I, I appreciate everybody here, man. This is pretty cool. And then when Steve brought it up, I was like, yes, that's that's way better than a one-on-one. But I still want to do the one-on-one with with each of you guys. But it's like, what are we going to talk about now? <laughs> so yeah, yeah thanks, you know, man. We've we've been all doing this for a really long time, and uh, like I said, it's uh, you know. Chris, Chris made it happen, and mm-hmm. uh, it's so cool to, to to be able to watch him. And uh, you know, like uh, I, Steve and I talk about it all the time. You know, I mean, we spent so much time with him, and and uh, 
getting to watch him and we live vicariously through yeah. him, you know? I mean, Steve and I both have little kids. Well, you have little kids. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's, Chris is living what our dreams were. And uh, and it's really cool to, to talk about the, the stories and and uh, get to relive that because uh, those those were the best times of my life, you know? Oh, and yeah. We have a lot of stories. No, uh, yeah. Another thing, too, Chris, it's like, we- and being able to tell my you know, my boys, when we're watching an elite series event, it's like, Hey, I know that guy. He used to work at coyote. Yeah. And they kind of look yeah. at me confused. You, he's on TV, you know, him, the That's coyote. Awesome. And then they just, they're just so like, when they put it together, they're going to be so. Oh so yeah. Stoked. Yeah. So my thanks mom, for that, my man. Dad gets so pumped oh. up my whole family, you know, and it's, it's pretty rad. Appreciate it. Oh man. yeah. Dude, it's, it's, uh, it's next level stuff. My son is, two and a half years old and he's swinging a golf club like <laughs> yeah i saw that like you've never seen before but he's he watches fishing with me every saturday and sunday morning he knows the he knows the face because chris hasn't met him yet but you met sloan uh, sloan my daughter knows chris well at this point but yeah dude it's one of those things where you've got the you've got a whole army behind you obviously in california but across the whole country and you built that for yourself and we couldn't be prouder prouder of you and more excited for you thank you guys appreciate it man we need to do this again for sure all right you Person. said it. you said it <laughs> <laughs> mario hold you to it no it's, it's, i say we i, I appreciate we it but the, it's the, the, the next one we do it on a fishing trip at a lake somewhere Oops, you bring sorry. all your equipment mario and Get all the guys up there and make it happen. Yeah, you'd be surprised. It's just a little mixer and a couple mics. It's not that high tech, but um, it works pretty good. Yeah, I'm, ne- I'm next definitely time down I'll for bring that, my man. own chair. My butt's asleep right now. You're making that Rubbermaid chair pay the yeah, price, bro. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to buy this one. It'll probably be bent after I leave. Oh, man. Sorry, just wipe it down after you leave. Yeah. All right, boys. Don't go, don't Hi, go bro. sniff. What's up? What what oh, no. what? No, it was a dirty joke. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna sniff it, dude. <laughs> awkward goodbye. Yeah, so, yeah very we'll, awkward goodbye. We'll have to. Uh, you started out with the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Steve talked about the peat moss. We'll have to uh, carve all four of our faces in the uh, in the peat moss clumps. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude. Whenever you got a whenever you got an extra fxr lying around you know an old skeeter just you know pass it this way bro leaning up against one right now but this one's yeah well hey <laughs> it's sold already yeah no it's not sold yet did Trey get the same uh white and black as last year yeah yeah i'll text it to you it's it's legit what'd you get uh i've got uh like old school skeeter colors like just uh it's black gray and red nice nice New wrap this year? Um, yes. So we're working on a deal right now that may change the whole the whole vibe. But Ooh. I'm definitely break camo and the whole thing. Hell's yeah! I can't wait to see I like those deals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I like those deals. <laughs> well, I mean. Let's do this, man. I appreciate you, Chris. Thanks for you know all the guidance you've given me. Thanks for coming on this little baby show. Thank yeah, you, Mr. Larissa. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Erickson. Let's right call on, it a night, guys. boys. Yeah, good luck at Chastain. All right. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you guys.
Adios. Later. All right. Later, boys.